0: It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner, <laughs> funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All
1: right, welcome back into another big sports week here, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes, five foot nothing, one hundred nothing. Rudy in the control room, boys. How are we feeling? How's the weekend?
2: AR, my man, another day, another dollar. Feeling good, Ooh. man. The weekend was fine. Uh It went by fast, but had a lot going on. Got out there yesterday, went to the range with my guys, swung it terribly, but the weather was phenomenal. So outside of me just, you know, throwing worm burners all over the range mm-hmm. yesterday, man, the weekend was good. How about you?
1: Yeah, grind it away. Yeah, absolutely. Got in a little golf as well, so that's always good. And you're right, the weather was ideal. I mean, ideal. That's 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 yeah. living, baby. Yes, that is living when you're in the high 70s, uh, late in August, and you're feeling pretty good. We got a lot to get to today, pal. Like it's yeah, man. And and it's it's really a hodgepodge, right? Like there are several different leads. As I was talking to you before the show, um, and I said to you, I think you know, Clev could get moved before we even hit the air. So um, we've seen the trade. And it's a volume trade. There are a lot of guys involved, and so you get you get a bat, you get you get a guy who he's a setup man, right? Quantrill, I can't. He's not a closer, right? I gotta no, look. I, don't, I no, think no, no, yeah, no. I think he's been eating a few innings. I think his last few innings have been pretty good. Uh, and then you get Arias, who I think is one of their better prospects, not in their top five. So in a weird way, you know, when I see the innings and I see the haul that they received, I'm like. Man, I don't think they could pry one of those top five prospects out of the pod system, and that's what kind of makes me a little a little bit upset. But Aries is there at shortstop, so if you get him, and you know about the Lindor situation, whatever's going to happen there, and so Clevenger goes. And my first, you know, my first instinct was, you know, this is the whole breaking protocol thing. I mean, they like Clev, right? I mean, you had him; he was under team control, which I guess you know certainly increased his trade value. But they liked him; he missed a lot of bats. And he was turning into a very good pitcher, a guy that was a very tough guy to get over if you're the opponent. And so I come back to you know, the way Clev handled the breaking of the protocol, the way he reportedly lied to Antonetti about it. Then they had to bring him back, put a nice face on it, because Antonetti actually spoke well of him when he brought him back, but you know that was just from a PR standpoint. Get him an outing and... Here we go. I'm a little bit lukewarm on – it looks like they got more quantity than quality. We'll have to ask J. Lew at 105 when he hops on today in the second hour. What is your take on it? I, I just looks more quantity than quality at this point. Not that they're not good players, yeah. but there wasn't like a real star unless right. Arius turns into that yeah
2: and and, you know that's the guy that you mentioned and you know they did end up getting three of their top 12 prospects but like Mm -hmm. you said no top five guys and Gabriel Arias seems to be the dude and Mm -hmm. you know if I was a Cleveland fan that would be the guy I want to hone in on because you know we had talked to J. Lou about this and you and I had talked about this over the last few weeks that you know we were you know kind of expecting this to happen maybe not exactly to San Diego but Clevenger on the move I don't think was going to surprise any of us but when you look at their return, if I was just on the outside looking in and I had no emotional, you know, investment in the Padres or the Indians, I think I may side a little bit here with what San Diego got back because the wholesome return that the Indians did get back, it looks good, but we have no idea what this is going to look like. We've seen guys in Major League Baseball trades in history just, you know, be prospects and some of them pan out, some of them don't pan out. But when you look at what is going to bring to the table for San Diego and the immediate mm-hmm. uh, return that they'll get, that absolutely leans me towards them kind of quote winning this deal right now but there's no question on the flip side of this for Cleveland if you're a Cleveland fan you feel okay about this because you've got a history now of your team having really good young pitchers come through their system and turn out to be studs now this is going back to last year you've gotten rid of Kluber Trevor Bauer and now Mike Clevenger and there's not a lot of teams that probably feel comfortable with doing that regardless of what situations lead you towards Those answers, but AR, you have to trust Cleveland with what they've been able to do. So when you go out there and you get rid of a guy like Mike Clevenger, your mind goes to, okay, we got Shane Bieber, we got Cookie, but outside of that, it looks different than what it has been over the last couple years. So you can have some faith in what they're doing, but those three guys that I was just talking about were such consistent every fifth day guys at a high level. I don't know if they're going to get that anymore. Now, That may be the case, but Ar, I think the focus outside of the pitching for Cleveland needs to be, are they done with this thing? Because they need some help in the outfield, and you get a couple guys back, and I know Josh Naylor is a guy that Mm -hmm. people are pinpointing in this deal that could be the immediate guy that steps into the lineup in the outfield, but I don't know if they're done, and I can't wait to talk to J. Lou about this, but... It's always tricky, man, with these trades. You get a whole bunch of guys back that haven't done a ton at the major league level, but you do. On the flip side of that, cross your fingers and hope that they pan out because Cleveland. I think you got to trust them when they do deals like this because they've got a nice little track record here of you know turning out some good pitching. So no, I I, I think right now, Ar, I'm siding with San Diego on this because I know what that's mm-hmm. going to look like. On the Cleveland flip side of that, it's a wait and see thing. So I can't necessarily say they went out in there and won this thing.
1: I think the operative word here is flip, and I'm wondering if the volume that the Indians got, that they'll pull little fliplets right now and flip some of these dudes for some more offense because that's what they need. The beauty of this is the Indians are in first place. They're a 21-13 team. Uh, They have one foot in, one foot out, right? One foot in for the future and one foot in in the present. And so you want them to increase the offense this year Because you're right, they had the luxury of having the starting pitching. I'll ask this question to you, and I'm going to ask it to J. Lou, and I'll answer it myself. Do they trade Clevenger if none of the breaking of COVID protocol happens? And my feeling is no. It's weird. I'm leaning that that may have been – I'm not saying that they wouldn't have entertained it for a massive offer, but I think what happened to him and what he did – left a sour taste in the mouth of that front office. I really do believe it. And I'm not saying that if they didn't get what they were asking for or close to it that they – would have moved him. I don't think he would have moved him just to move him, Right. but it really motivated them, I think, to to at and, least entertain more than maybe they were originally going to. Do you agree? Yeah, no, I think it's
2: something that you have to bring up, and, and I think I, I will agree with some of that, AR, because you can't ignore uh, the reaction from some of his teammates from that whole situation. I mean, the comments that were out there from leaders of the team, Manly, Francisco, Lindor, and you had some veteran guys um, that were just not happy at all with the decision that he made, because remember, I mean, he lied to them about this, so this was, you know, he he didn't reveal that he was with sock. he went on the plane, went to the team meeting, Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, so yeah, I'm sure that absolutely left a bitter taste in the, you know, the mouths of everyone involved, but At the end of the day, AR, we know in sports, man, like when you're a talented guy, especially Mm -hmm. and you play this position, well, and just in sports in general, you get a lot of passes. And that's why I think it's so interesting because on the flip side of that as well is that San Diego's got this guy under team control until after the 2022 season. So this isn't them giving up a trade and he's going to be on the market after this year. It's a pretty good deal for a guy that, you know, they're going to look at as their ace in their rotation. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I can't ignore uh, how big of a deal that absolutely Was because it was such a disappointing decision that Clevenger made. But on the competitive side of this thing, I have to imagine some Cleveland fans are looking at this saying, okay, well, if you know, we could have probably moved on from this, but. Um, I don't know. It was a something that you cannot do if you're Mike Clividge or any guy in any sport right now can't make a terrible mistake like that. But the team control aspect of that can make you scratch your head just a little bit because you don't just let aces walk out of the door. And the, I'm not in the business. A.R. I don't think teams should be in the mm-hmm. business of giving up really, really good players. But maybe you know the stuff in house was just too bad to get over.
1: I just think it was a little bit of a lean. Like I said, I don't think it was everything, but it certainly was something. And I'll ask J Lou the same question. Does he get moved if none of that happens? And he may you know, I'll be very curious to hear his answer at one oh five. But you're right. Yeah. Their rotation gives them the luxury of making this kind of move. It's weird, as you mentioned, to see those guys leave, to see Clav and Bauer and Kluber. What when you're sitting with um, and Carrasco comes back, Bieber has turned into one of the great pitchers in the game, Savale. Even though I think he got hammered yesterday, did he not? I think he did because I am on my fantasy team and I think he got drilled um, early. In. I think he threw like 37 pitches. He was still in the second inning. I'm like, I'm playing yeah. golf. I'm like, what's happening? I see ERA of 27. I'm like, oh, no. And uh and, Plesek, and, and I don't know what's going to happen to Plesek. I, I believe they keep him. And then we did get a glimpse of Tristan McKenzie the other day. Like, how yep. amazing was that? So, no doubt. Um, and, and Naylor, like you said, is a young guy. Uh, he was a top 15 pick in the, in the, in the 15 draft. He was a top – they called him a top 10 Padres prospect last year before being promoted up to the big leagues. So Naylor is certainly a, uh, a bat that that helps them. Mm. Uh, Quantrill I'll have to look into. I know he was a top 10 pick as well, so that makes him a very big prospect. And I looked at, I looked at his uh, game log just before he hopped on the air, and he's pitched, I don't know, maybe three and a third – over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Hasn't given up a run, I don't believe. And uh, that's it. I I don't know much more about him other than they did get prospects. So I would not be surprised to see with the volume that they got back, if they want to turn that into some some more offense. But make no mistake, it's Bieber, Carrasco, Savali, McKenzie – that allowed this team to move Clevenger.
2: That's it. That that's been the engine of Cleveland for over the last handful of years. Just going back to the bitter end to the World Series. I mean, that's what made them scary, and they are. That's why you know I, I wouldn't be mad at Cleveland fans today that are a little bit upset about this because that's what made them scary this year. Even with the offense having their struggles, you know, in certain spots of the season, you get this three-headed monster into a three-five game series, whatever it is. You can beat anybody, and that's why I think maybe you just hold pat Or I would have liked them, if I was a Cleveland fan, to stick it out with a guy like Clevenger because of what I said, the team control, he ain't going anywhere. But what you brought up has to be a part of this conversation because maybe that was the big-time domino. So you get Clevenger, Greg Allen, and a player to be named later all going out to San Diego. And like we mentioned, AR, you get six players back in return coming to Cleveland. It just brings to my mind now of where are we with the process with Cleveland? Because, like I just said a couple years ago, this is a team we're looking at they're inside their window. They got mm-hmm. all this talent, all this young pitching. And now you can look at this and say, well, which direction are they going now? Because if they don't make another move before 4 p.m., that's only going to perk up that question even more, in my opinion. Because we've got the Francisco Lindor situation looming over the mm-hmm. next offseason. They couldn't work out a deal in spring, so that wasn't a good sign that they didn't get that done and put that to bed. We know the big-time clubs are going to come call, and All the clubs with all the money are going to want him as your franchise player, and rightfully so. But where the Indians are right now throughout this process is interesting. Because are we going to go the opposite way and rebuild this thing? Or are we going to, before 4 p.m., push more chips mm-hmm. into the table if we can and move some of these prospects we got from San Diego or whatever it is yeah. and try to go get it now? I, I don't know where they're at. They are. It seems like they're in the middle, which can be a scary place to be in sports, but when you let a guy like this go, you can't help but think, okay, well, what is their plan long term? Because after losing all of these pitchers that they lost over the last couple seasons, I think coming in the next year or whatever the window is for Frankie is they're going to lose one of the best players in the game, too, so very tricky times for Cleveland right now.
1: Yeah, but they're in first place. This is a positive day. Like, this isn't a day. This trade was not made on dumping salaries and and having up. your back against the wall with contracts. Like, this was a baseball trade. This was a fun deal today, like what we saw. Like, this was a way to better your team um, from an – it's basically a way to, to strengthen – what they feel is not a total weakness, but needed strengthening. And that was their offense. They feel really good about their starting rotation. And so that's what this trade was based on. Let's strike. Now, I don't know if they weren't in first place, do they make this kind of a move? I don't know. The other thing is about the COVID breaking protocol for club. Do they make move? If he doesn't like I, my first instinct and I texted J Lou earlier today. I said, I thought they really liked him. Like I thought they really liked him. Now, the, the answer to that is you can really like someone and also see the value in the trade. And so it kind of gives you the luxury to do what they did today. So we'll talk to him at 105. Uh, we'll dig in on a little bit of what happened over the weekend at Ohio State. Uh, more rallying, more protesting, more voices trying to be heard. Will it make any kind of an impact? And has anything happened since you and I left the air on Friday at 3? We'll come back. With a pretty big player, a big player who's decided to sit out this college football season. We'll get to that right away. It's Rothman and Ice on The Fan. One guy is fat,
0: the other is fatter, and both are kind of stupid. Pretty much sums up the whole show. Uh-huh. Common Man and Tebow.
3: <gasps> Weekdays from 3 to 6.
0: The Fan. Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is
1: Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Uh, Bottom of the hour, twelve thirty-three. Bill Rabinowitz will join us, Ohio State beat writer. Real quick, AR.
2: Yeah, bud. Just to put, I wanted to bring this because I wanted to just get your mindset on this because you know, you know, teams they got to be real about where they are in their windows, right? And looking at Cleveland, do you think the emergence of Minnesota? And also the emergence of Chicago, Mm -hmm. maybe playing the White Sox, that is, maybe playing into some of these moves for Cleveland. Because if they're looking at the next handful of years and saying, okay, we may lose Frankie. We've already lost his starting pitching. Do we really feel like we're going to be contenders? I think maybe that has to weigh into some of the decisions that they're making because Minnesota and the White Sox, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So if you're Cleveland and they're never going to admit this and they should never admit it. I know we'll get to an NFL story later. About tanking, possibly, but I think maybe they got to look in the mirror a little bit, AR, and check out where they are with their timeline. I think that's a a fair conversation to have. What do you think of that?
1: I think you're dead on. I think for the tribe, for the White Sox, for the Twins, their focus was definitely on winning this season. Whatever this season was going to be, you know, we know where the Tigers are, we know where the Royals are. Right. That's massive, big picture. For the Indians, this the window could be closing. You mentioned it in the last segment. And their window let's talk about when they cracked the window the window's been open for 4 years right yep the current window and i don't know the window was cranked wide open in the 16 series against the cubs mhm right yep 7 game i mean that's that's yeah. that's as close as you get yep and so the starting rotation is where they shine they have they have can brag about their starting pitching depth and the, the two biggest names were Clev and Carrasco. And neither one of them, when you talk to baseball fans around the country, neither one of them probably look at them as like, oh, really? Like they're, like they're the biggest names you got? Mm-hmm. But they're really effective. No doubt. And so it's interesting to me. You know, Zach Plesak is 25, and, and he made a lot of starts last year and he was really good. So they still have him. I don't know what's gonna happen with him because he right. was the, the ringleader on the on the on the breaking of the protocol. But they've got a lot of depth in their bullpen and it's I totally agree with you that this is and it's where they are this year. Like we didn't know we didn't know even the most talented of rosters this year, Matty, weren't we didn't know whether that would translate into instant success this year. Right. You know, without a huge training well Huge spring training. Spring. Yep. We didn't know whether the, the pitchers that were perceived to be the big arms would be built up enough. You had to get off to a good start. It was a 60-game sprint to the finish, and it was whoever got hot early that could probably sustain a little bit. And so I do agree that they were in a winning window, but the fact that they're in first place yeah. with the, with the offense that's been inconsistent I, I think that leads a lot to it. Absolutely. Like they and, and that's why I keep saying that on the face on paper, I don't think they got the offensive boost back right. in a give back in a get back for Clev who as you mentioned was is under team control through twenty twenty two. I guess I expected a little more, but if Naylor turns out to be that guy or gets hot at the right time, then yeah. then things can happen for them. And maybe they flip some of those dudes and get get something more. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. It's They're at the back end of this window being open.
2: Yeah, and because you remember the conversations we were having about the Central as a whole over the last couple years was that's where the Indians are going to pick up the bulk of their Mm -hmm. wins is going up against the teams that are rebuilding. And a couple of those teams, like you mentioned, are now rebuilding, but the Minnesota Twins and the White Sox have turned Mm -hmm. the corner. So, no, it's just... You want your teams to be real about where they are. And the thing that made, to me, Cleveland the scariest was the pitching. And that's starting to get peeled away. And I'm look, Savale mm-hmm. and policek they may be guys that can fill those shoes. But I don't know that just yet. I knew what I was getting from those other guys. And I think when you got past Shane Bieber and you're an away team mm-hmm. that's in a series with Cleveland and you wake up and you have to go against Mike Clevenger and Cookie Carrasco, that makes your sleep a little bit more restless. Mm-hmm. Not saying... Those guys can't do it. I just think the mentality going up against Cleveland has changed just a little bit, and I think when you look at the Sox being tied for them at the top of the division and yeah. the Twins still only a game and a half back, wow. I, I don't know, man. It, it just I just think that, that scary element has been stripped away from Cleveland uh, right now.
1: Well, you you lost one of your core pieces, right, in Clev, like of that deep starting pitching rotation that he was part of that core with Bieber and Carrasco. Yeah. so. I don't know. Lindor, we know, is going to be gone, right? Um, Yes. Santana, Reyes, the middle of that order. uh, You know, you, you need a little help offensively, but they are a contender. Make no mistake. They have enough to be a contender. And so let's see what else they do if they flip some of this volume for something else or if they stand pat. But I am firmly convinced that the Clevenger breaking protocol and then lying about it put him on a very weird path to try to work his way back into the good graces of that front office, even though they had to slap a smile on that thing mm-hmm. to show teams that he could be trusted, mm-hmm. that let's get him back on the mound, let's let's welcome him back, let's put on a good audition for the trade deadline, and I, I do believe they played that.
2: I do. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I absolutely do. So I think you know you're kind of in two camps here. If you're a Cleveland fan, you're in the camp of – Well, we're a little salty that we got rid of Clev, but I've got faith... In the pitching coming up, and I think Mm -hmm. you know that's where a lot of people are going to fall, and rightfully so, because they've laid out a track record to where you can believe in them doing that. These guys are just young, man. These guys are young, and these other guys have been there and experienced the playoffs and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I I will feel better for them, AR, today if they go out and can get another impact bat in the outfield. Okay, Now we're back into the whole mix. I just think if they keep the same roster that they have right now as we sit here right around 1230 and don't add any offensive spark Mm -hmm. to it, but it eh, doesn't make me feel so good.
1: That's it. And I think you and I, are. I wasn't wild. Now, I, I think that's why they went for volume, to see if they could move something. Because if they couldn't pry one of those top five prospects away, which I thought they could have, at least one. Like, get one. Like, have a headline piece. Yeah. But they are in, like you say, the winning window, the competitive window. It's not all about the future. And so if Arius becomes that guy, then boom, you check the future box. But the present box, being a first-place team, I didn't like to get-back on Clevenger. I thought it yeah. was okay. We'll see. It might surprise us. Yeah, uh, Let me pay off on this real fast because yeah. I know we'll have Rabinowitz coming up. Uh, Jamar Chase, LSU, not playing, opting out. So this is a really interesting deal. Not to say that they were an absolute contender, but the fact that he is opting out. Yeah. And I'm assuming I haven't read all the details in this. We'll get because I know we're going to get to it a little bit later. Sure, sure. I'm assuming this was a little bit of COVID concern, or most of it, and the fact that NFL scouts know him; they know him like they. I don't think he needed a resume year. You agree?
2: I hundred percent agree with you, Ar. I mean, this guy is he, he is a special player. We saw him ball out all last year, and I was surprised to see him make the initial announcement that he was going to run it back and come to LSU. But we'll see what type of domino effect um, that this has. But no, he has nothing to prove. I, I think he just only has things to lose by going out and playing, and his stock will see go the down top for, receiver
1: in the draft. Yeah, he,
2: he's right there. Yeah. He is yeah. absolutely the guy for a lot of people. So yeah, when your name is associated with that title that you just threw out there, Ar, mm-hmm. and especially with the uncertainty of a season right now Mm -hmm. whether your conference is saying we're playing or not uh, i think this is the right call by jamar and like i said i can't wait to see if other guys within the sec and acc follow suit
1: all right we'll do more on that a little bit later but coming up next bill rabinowitz of the dispatch we'll ask him about what happened this weekend and if we're getting any more answers from the big 10 from presidents from the commissioner i know he has he now he's done what two letters basically we're not revisiting this and then it broke on friday that they're looking to inch up the season. Will it even matter? We'll talk to them next. Rothman and Ice on The Fan. Winners of the
0: prestigious Platinum Microphone Award every year, given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, No need to look it up. It's real. The Fan. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice.
1: All right, Rothman and Ice, presented by your local Pella window and door showroom on Gemini Parkway. Time to go to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline, hook it up with our good buddy Bill Rabinowitz, Ohio State's football beat writer for the Dispatch. Bill, how are you feeling, bud? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Good to have you on. Uh, I was talking to Maddie before the show, and it's, it's weird to me. We kind of live in a world where we assign blame, right? And so the Big Ten is not playing. And I think we're both under the impression that they could have delayed – and not just pull the plug definitively on the season. Now there appears to be a little bit of a walk back, but it almost, I I said on Friday, it looks like they're going to be playing in no man's land if they're playing at all. What is your latest? What are you hearing on? What realistic plans are on the table for the Big Ten?
4: Well, what I was told on Friday by a Big Ten source is basically, they've come up with all kinds of different scenarios, all kinds of different plans starting this day, that day, you know, Thanksgiving one got some traction, but it's just one of many. I mean, Gene Smith confirmed that, but, you know, that's just one of many start dates. The problem that they're getting is they're not getting much direction from the big 10 from Kevin Warren or whoever's, you know, kind of making those decisions. And until they have some clarity on, okay, this is the path you should go to. It's hard to really know where, where, where to go. Um, you know, they're kind of flying blind, and I think that's frustrating them because you know ADs and administrators and all those kind of people are, are coming up with every contingency plan they have that they can come up with. But until there's really uh, one voice that the Big Ten saying, this is the path that's the best, you know, they're just quite frustrated.
2: Bill, look, looking at what transpired on Saturday, we had another rally with Ohio State fans trying to get their message across and be a louder voice. What, what, what was, From the information that you've gathered, what was the main thing that they were digging in on to try to get their point across?
4: Yeah, I went to that. My, my beat partner, Joey Crawford wrote the story, but I just thought I should be there. So you know, I, was, I talked to some parents afterward. Again, I think the key word is frustration and I think people would understand the decision better if it were explained better. If if they said, okay, we just don't think it's safe. There is a, a pandemic out there. It's obviously very serious, and we just don't believe, our medical experts don't believe it's safe to play. Well, then put the medical experts out there and have them answer questions and explain themselves. And if that's the case, then, you know, not everyone's going to agree, but at least you have that side of it. You have, okay, this is why, and this is if they present, a solid argument, you say, okay, that's, you know, they're looking out for player safety first and then who can blame them. But when you don't do that and you just say our doctors say this without making them accountable or at least giving an explanation like the Pac-12 did, then you're just opening yourself up to criticism and that's certainly what they're getting.
1: I agree with you, Bill. I've been saying that to Maddie for a couple weeks now. Get on the record. Get on the record with your exact, with the specific advice that your task forces were giving you, and I'm talking about Kevin Warren, and that way it can't just be like blanket words like overwhelming or uncertainty. Like We all get it. It's serious. I understand. I'm, I'm no doctor. Neither you, neither is Maddie. I also said I think the coaches probably could have gotten on the record with their specific understanding of the virus and why they were willing to risk the contact sport with other teams across the region. And right now it seems like we have the can't-risk-it administration side and the unite-we-want-to-play side. And it's just all extremes, and we really, like you said, we don't have any real middle ground to kind of build off of. But I, I'll ask you this. Do you think originally that OSU's president was on the record with delaying the season with the commissioner, and did they know how long they were going to delay it for, or was it just because I keep coming back to why did you pull the plug definitively on the season and say, nope, 2021, that's when we're doing it. Why didn't they just say, we can't practice right now, we'll, we'll reassess in 30 days or whatever, we'll keep maybe the hopes of a season alive? Why do you think it was a definitive plug-pulling? Did they think the other conferences were just going to follow suit?
4: <laughs> Those are all great questions. Those are things that I've thought and asked myself and asked others also. Uh, I don't understand why they felt they had to, just six days after releasing the schedule, say, this is the way it's got to be. You know, we're done. Um, because it was just a few days after that, that the, the, I think it came out that there, a new, a new testing system where uh, rapid results uh, could, you know, you could tell, look, the big problem is uh, in terms of playing, you don't know who's positive. If you know who's positive and who's negative, then you can, you can act. You can say, okay, obviously if you're positive, um, you know, if you can't play. And if we know that you're negative, then okay, it should be okay. But it's, the issue is um, the uncertainty. And to kind of call up a season when you know that there's a possibility that they could come up with better testing or better protocols or whatever it may be, it just seemed premature to me. I, I completely understand why, you know, this the season was supposed to start on Thursday, right? day it's supposed to play. It's hard to believe. It was, we're supposed to be in game week. I, you know, they could say today, look, the numbers are just not good. We've told you all along. The possibility we won't play and we're not going to play. And we'll we'll see about next week and the week after that. Uh, that's much more, to me, defendable than it is saying on August 11th, you know, we're done. And, and then to say on the 19th, we're not revisiting it. And we don't know what the vote was. We don't even know if there was a vote. All this stuff has just been so vague and I think unnecessarily vague. I, I just don't think they've helped themselves from a PR point of view, if nothing else. And, and at the parents' thing, that was there was just genuine anger and frustration that they just haven't gotten the answers that they're seeking. If they'd gotten the answers they were seeking and say, look, we are not going to jeopardize your son, and this is why, and had good evidence for it, I think most people would say, okay, okay, you know, I might not agree, I still think we can play, but I think the majority of people would say, okay, at least I understand your point of view, and we can accept that. But they didn't. they've not done that.
2: Bill Rabinowitz, Ohio State football beat writer from the Dispatch, joining us here on Rothman and Ice. And Bill, we had a very scary story uh, unfold over the weekend involving uh, defensive tackle Haskell Garrett. Can you kind of update the folks on what's the latest on that and maybe where things go from here?
4: Yeah, uh, you know, Ryan Day released a statement maybe an hour ago saying that Haskell Garrett would be released from the hospital. At least the expectation was he, he would be released from the hospital today. Obviously, that's good news. Uh, not much is known about what happened. It happened around 1230 uh, in the morning on Sunday morning. About a half mile from his apartment, he got shot in the cheek, uh, in, you know, in the face. And beyond that, there's not a lot of, of concrete kind of anything to go on other than that. You know, he's going to be okay. The expectation is that he'll fully recover. Uh, obviously, a very scary, uh, you know, terrifying incident. But, um, you know, he's, he's going to be out of the hospital today probably and hopefully on his way to recovery.
1: All right, thank you for that update there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're thankful. That is uh, as scary as it gets. All right, one last one here on the potential of a season, Bill. And part of this may have been a result of these lawsuits that were pending from Nebraska, whether anyone else was going to jump in from the Big Ten to try to get the Big Ten uh, some sort of discovery on dialogue between the commissioner and the presidents, and maybe they're threatening to do that. Do you believe that was any motivation for the Big Ten to suddenly say, yeah, let's start thinking about Thanksgiving, even though I don't think that pacifies anybody because I don't know if you can be a part of a national college cha- uh, a college football playoff if you're starting Thanksgiving. I don't know how many games you think you can get in when the other team's seasons are, you know, for all intents and purposes, over. Um, do you think that was the impetus for, for getting the, uh, this back on the table? And do you think that Thanksgiving is even the one that they would think about?
4: Uh, again, I think all options are on the table. I'm not sure the lawsuit, the Nebraska lawsuit had a lot to do with it. I mean, I don't know, but I, I don't think that that's, uh, you know, by the time that would kind of go through the legal system, I'm not sure that was such a, uh, you know, such a determining factor. I think what it was is big coaches like Ryan Day and James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh, and athletic directors just weren't quite willing to say the door is entirely closed. And they pushed and they pushed. And I think it helped a lot that the parents got involved. That Justin Fields said what he said, and other players spoke up. I think I think that they put some pressure on at least the let's let's not close the door entirely uh, kind of argument. And uh, so the other thing is, you know, this is a huge financial hit for Ohio State and all these schools. Ohio State's going to lose $130 million. Uh, in loss. that's a huge, huge loss. Now, Ohio State can, there, there are ways. I mean, Ohio State's going to be fine in the long run. They can take out a loan. They can do a bond. I mean, there are lots of ways that they can get around it. But it's still a huge, huge number. And other schools, well smaller numbers, probably, but they have numbers that are harder to overcome. You know, it's harder for an Indiana to make up that kind of money. It's a basketball school, it's not a football school. And, and some of the other Big Ten schools, you know, might have a harder time making up the deficit they're going to have. Um, so I think that was also obviously uh, a driving factor in, in ADs and, and schools not quite giving up on it. I still think it's a long shot. You know, I think Thanksgiving is a possibility. I, I don't, I haven't delved into the logistics of it that much. Um, you know, but, yeah, what you said uh, is right. It's going to be very hard to get. I mean, if you play to start Thanksgiving, you're not going to be in the college football playoffs unless the SEC and ACC and Big 12 are also delayed. Um, you know, look, there's no guarantee there's going to be a season, even for the conferences that say they're going to play. Uh, there's still a lot of cases and, and a lot of uncertainty with them. But at least, you know, they're, they have hope that there's going to be a season. And I think hope is probably the biggest thing that people want and and the Big Ten kind of closed that off. And now, you know, is the door open a little bit? I think it is. You know, how much, I don't know.
1: Bill, thanks a lot for your insight, man. Uh, we'll keep connected to you, and hopefully uh, we'll keep pushing down a positive way in, in all areas. Thanks, man, for jumping on. We appreciate it.
4: Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks, Bill. Bill. Rabinowitz, our friend from the Dispatch on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We'll do a little more reaction on that at the top of the hour. But, Maddie, tell the kids what's next. You know,
2: last week, AR, we kind of threw out there that we got some new stuff cooking up. We're excited to reveal that. Well, coming up next, we've got a new segment called Party Like a Roth Star. Not Rock Star. We're going party like an R-O-T-H star, like my man Anthony we Back in the we're, 80s. Back in the 80s. We're going to find a couple guys, teams, anybody that won the weekend. We're going to unveil our new segment, Party Like a Roth Star, after the break. Rothman and Ice, right here on The Fan.
0: Mornings have never sounded better. Brandon Bean, Bobby Carpenter, and Anthony Schlegel host Morning Juice. Weekdays starting at 6. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Let's all gather into the kiki. It's time to party like a Roth Star. Star. Yeah, baby.
1: Oh, yeah. Want the bag in the 80s. Oh, man. The famous line when you said, Roth, live a little. Matty, I've lived enough. I've lived enough, baby. Uh-huh. Oh, man. All right. You start. Who won the weekend for you?
2: For me, man, I've got a couple guys. I've got a guy and a team lined up for you. I'll kick this thing off with okay. what I saw last night from one Jamal freaking Murray yeah. from the Denver Nuggets. My goodness. Are you talking about mm-hmm. putting the team on his back when they needed it? Game six. He drops a 50-point game on 17 of 24 shooting, 9 of 12 from 3, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. He was absolutely incredible, and like I said, AR, this was a game where they absolutely had to have it, and he was hitting clutch baskets. Utah could not guard this guy. Jamal Murray, former Kentucky product, 7th Pick in the 2016 draft, 23 years old. This guy is a special, special player. He is the first guy that was partying like a Roth star. Jamal Murray, 50 points in a must win game. Amazing.
1: 50 burger, fourth player in NBA history with multiple 50s and a playoff. You know who else? Mitchell, obviously, Iverson, and MJ. So pretty good company there. And you're right. He definitely won the weekend. All right. My dude that won the weekend, Maddie. Manti Teo is married and she's real. Come on, yep, he did it, man. This is coming full circle, baby. I mean, this is a guy, the ex Notre Dameer, swapped the I do's, longtime girlfriend. I say that long time. I think maybe four or five years, and they had a small little ceremony. Looked on the beach. Looked like they had their dog with them. Nice little deal for them. And I got to tell you, this is no Lene Kakua. This is no dude behind the the, the window or behind the curtain. She's beautiful. I mean, this guy. So if you guys don't recall, Manti Teo was duped and catfished by someone named Lene Kakua. It turned out there was some dude, some family acquaintance that was catfishing him and went into a viral relationship with a fake woman. And the guy admitted to like altering his voice when speaking with Manti on the phone. It was a big ruse. Then Teo went, National with it because the fake girlfriend died after this alleged cancer battle. And so he tells this emotional story on national TV. Then he has to go through the humiliating stuff about how she wasn't real. And he got duped and he was just perpetuating it because it felt good to him. And it was felt good to say that he had this this girlfriend on the line. <laughs> well, how about my boy Manti Tao coming 180 with it and getting married She is beautiful. They have a dog. It was on the beach, and he couldn't be more excited. That dude won the weekend. He is partying like a Roth star. I
2: love it. Second one for me here, AR, and I promise I had this in before the Clevenger News. It's the San Diego Padres. I love when teams look at their situation and say, you know what? Let's go get it. We got a shot. We hear so much about the Los Angeles Dodgers and rightfully so. They're incredible. We're five games back in the division, but we know we just need to be in that second slot. We got one of the best young players in Tatis. We got Machado. We got Eric Hosmer. But how about this, AR? Not only did today, did they go grab a guy like Mike Clevenger to sharp up their rotation, but they made some other moves. But the one mood I want to hone in on is them going to get Mitch Moreland from the Boston Red Sox because the guys that I just mentioned in their lineup are scary hitters and there's Mm -hmm. no doubt about it but you look at what Mitch Moreland was doing for a bad Boston team this year this guy's batting 328 with eight home runs and 21 RBIs. So you bring him over. We know we've got the universal DH. He's an experienced guy, won the World Series in 2018. So you got a guy that can rotate in and out with Hosmer, put him in that DH spot, and now you put him with those mix of really good hitters that they have. To me, the San Diego Padres, before they even got Mike Clevenger, they won the weekend. They were partying like a Roth star.
1: San Diego, drink it in. It always goes down smooth. Did you see they were down four to the... The Mariners with two outs in the ninth the other day and one, I think Will Myers walked it off with yeah. seven runs with two outs in the ninth. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. I caught I it. To... I caught the highlights. Yep. Yeah, four with two outs. Want up putting up a seven spot to win it. All right. The other dude that and this really fits it is your boy and this is the oh. guy you were going to hire to play your party. The Biebs. You see what the Beebs threw down with his model girlfriend over the weekend? No. What see what do? they got. Decided upgrade from their little six million dollar little flipper house in Beverly Hills to buy something in the hills for twenty six mil, eleven thousand square feet, seven bedrooms, ten bathrooms. We're talking about Stallone. We're talking about Eddie Murphy. We're talking about Samuel L. Jackson. We're talking about Magic. We're talking about a prince, Alex von Furstenberg. Yep, yep. So besides the eight and a half million dollar current home he had, which. I think he previously owned something in Calabasas that they bought about six years ago for six and a half mil that he flipped for about seven, two. He decided to go all in with Haley Baldwin and buy a $26 million pad in Beverly, in oh, uh, Beverly Park. That's how you do it. That's how you do it right there. And one of my favorite
2: songs, ironically enough, is Company by Justin Bieber. So now I'm wondering if he needs any new company at his new
1: spot because I mean, I'm sure he's got the extra rooms. Sophia Vagere, Denzel Washington. Rod Stewart, Stallone, Murphy, all of the Saudi royal family, like this. These are the people that have lived or lived in the neighborhood that he just bought. You imagine little Beebs cruising around in that neighborhood. Little twenty six mil.
0: He uh, he ain't little
2: Biebs anymore. He used to be. We used to. He used to get baked two hundred mil- all the time. He's a uh, he is a stud out here. You just ever seen neighbor.
1: his roast on comedy on the Comedy Network? No, I miss Yeah, look up the row. The roasts are so much fun, oh, man. You yes, gotta look I them love up. A roast. Anyway, he drops them on them like two hundred hey, I'm worth two hundred mil. So you <laughs> exactly. guys can roast me all you want. <laughs> right. All right, when we come back, Sports Center, top of the hour. We dive in with J Lou on the club trade. Yeah. Did the Indians win it? Is it a wash? What does he think about it? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Your home. Buckeyes, Jackets, NFL, Major League Baseball, and pretty much everything you can shake a stick at. What? It's a saying. The Fan. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice.
1: Second hour. Robust First hour. We'll get to our boy Jay Lou. We'll make the call to the pen here in about sixty seconds or so. Maddie, our boy CB on the shelf, you know, with the gum grafting and yep. the other the other big hole in his mouth. Um, <laughs> and all he's been doing is tweeting about the Indians trade for the last hour and five minutes. What's he saying? I haven't. I haven't been. Well, on I'm just. I don't know. I'm just saying that he's not doing our show today. Yep. But he's very active. The fingers so, can
2: still work. You know that
1: exactly and i'm just saying he's not exactly uh you know saying. about eight ibuprofen in and <laughs> you're right he i'm just saying like rudy filled, filling in today beautifully but i'm just i just want that to be known that when we whenever he comes back we talk about this quote day off of rest and the dudes like social media all <laughs> over the place Tell us, millennials do it, man. We were born to multitask. We can handle <laughs> multiple things it's at how, once. How millennials do it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yep, hide behind a keyboard. All right, oh, let's man. go to uh, our man in the pen. We make the call. He's our expert, former tribe pitcher, Indians live analyst. He's Jensen Lewis. J. Lou, good to have you, pal.
5: Thanks, boys. Appreciate uh, making a, a little spot for me today. My I feel like my phone has been ringing off the hook, whether it be texts or you know tweets from people. I don't know what my favorite time of the year is. Whether it's overreaction month in April, <laughs> where if if you start out well, you're winning the World Series. If you start out terribly, this is the worst team ever. Or if it's the deadline. I mean, forty eight hours up to today. You know, you hear rumors left and right. I've got some White Sox fans who apparently can't read when I tweeted out yesterday Mm -hmm. when the rumor came about, you know, Clev possibly the White Sox, that if you're going to deal that kind of a guy in the division, you better get the very best guy coming back because you're going to have to face each other. So, No doubt. that, that That was my impetus there. So for any White Sox fans, first of all, read. Second of all, understand why there's really not a lot of deals done within a division for that reason. Yeah, and then we get to today, and and this has kind of been coming for about a week, fellas. Uh, a lot of the the deals uh, that have been talked about have been, you know, bantered about the last five to seven days. But San Diego, as you guys have seen in the past, has become a really nice trade partner for the Indians, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'll take a victory lap. Uh, the Indians have yet to lose a trade uh, with, with the San Diego Padres. It just seems like they find new ways to be able to get exactly what they need short and long term. And so I guess I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go quickly, and then you guys you can go from there. The headliners are certainly Josh Naylor, Cal, Con- Cal Quantrill, and Austin Hedges. They will join the Major League squad, you would assume, that Naylor will take Greg Allen's spot, Cal Quantrill will take Mike Clevenger's spot, and then assuming a roster move has to be made for Austin Hedges. Let's go back to front here. Uh, Hedges is 28 years old. He was second to Roberto Perez in defensive run save last year. So you have the top two catchers in defensive run saved. In the big leagues right now, there'll be a one-two combo. Uh, It doesn't get any better than that. There's two ways to win a game. He can slug though, but his average is garbage, right? Right. The average is not good. He's hitting a buck sixty-seven this year. They knew that going in. So as I was about to say, you know, you can you can win games by scoring runs or by defending runs, and Mm -hmm. that's where they went with that. Naylor has been a guy that was a first-round pick. He was a 12th overall selection back in 2015. He's just started to put it together. He's hitting two seventy eight this year. He's going to go right into left field, in my estimation right now, as a starter. Again, the the power, you certainly are still lacking a little bit, but for a guy that's going to be able to slot in nicely, and he'll play a good defensive left field, that, again, another nice addition. Cal Quantrill is not only a short-term boost, but also he's going to be a long-term guy, and he could probably go right into the bullpen as it stands right now, since the Indians' rotation is full, but you would assume He's got dynamic stuff. There's no question about it. He obviously has major league lineage, uh, and knowing that you know he owns a career ERA of a buck eighty in fourteen relief outings, he's punched out twenty four and twenty five. He's only given up eighteen hits in fire and five runs. So, fortieth best prospect overall. Obviously, the son of Paul Quantrill, fourteen year major league vet. Uh, again we'll go into the young guys because that's where everyone's at with this Uh, when you're looking at Arias who's 20 years old who could be an heir apparent to Lindor Cantillo is 20 years old he's got dynamic stuff and you've got pitching university here for the Cleveland Indians that whoever you bring over it all of a sudden feels like you're going to be made into a superstar with the way they've been able to do it so uh, when you think about Owen Miller another middle infielder uh, who's shown some promise he was a third round pick for San Diego in 2018 he's 23 years old short term long term term this is a massive massive haul for a guy in Mike Clevenger and Greg Allen and Clev obviously the headliner has yet to pitch a full major league season more than once in five seasons does he have wipeout stuff yes is he highly injury prone yes and is he going to get very expensive the next two years Yes. So you trade them at the peak. You get exactly what you need back short-term and long-term. Are the Indians done today? I don't believe so, but I think it's 50-50 right now. They've got ammo in place if they need to go get a bigger bat, if that's what they want to do. But overall, for this trade in a vacuum, getting what they need short-term and long-term, it looks like a pretty nice haul. All
1: right. Well, that's there's a lot there. Uh, Maddie and I spoke about this at the top of the show. And if, if, just for the listener, we actually have installed... An actual bullpen phone. That's why J. Lou sounds so crisp and clear and like he's in the studio with us. So we actually we think that much of you that we installed a bullpen phone with you. I love this it. No, we don't deal with sell with you. I mean, this is a hard line situation. Um, all right, so I'm going to ask this. Here comes the four-seamer. You ready? I need a yes. strike. So I'm, I'm bringing it in. It's whether you can put the barrel on it. Do they trade Clevenger if Chicago incident doesn't happen?
5: I, I think there's still a 60-40 a chance they do because of arbitration year two coming and then also the injury history. I'm telling you right now, AR, they, got, they feel they got burned a little bit on, on waiting a year on Corey Kluber mm-hmm. and, and knowing that there were already signs there. You had a two-time Cy Young winner, so I can understand where you wanted to be a bit more patient there because you know that the return when he's healthy – He's as dynamic as anybody. But, guys, he's not even pitching this year. He was really on the back end and and starting to show bigger signs of problems. So they had to deal him for Klase and the Shields. And I think you understand now the mindset or at least the logic behind with Clev. Injuries every single season, fellas, the last couple of years. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Those mechanics are prime for a breakdown earlier than later, and that's also the underlying portion here of why A.J. Preller and the Padres did not part with any of their top six prospects because I know that's the big reaction from people. How do you not get a top prospect? There is no general manager in big league baseball that is going to go trade for a potential in Clevenger already knowing what those medicals say. There's no GM that's going to do it and give up that kind of talent. It's just not going to happen. So there is massive risk. On the Padres' side, is there massive upside? Sure, but Indians fans, you're not going to see Clevenger unless the Padres get to the World Series and the Indians do. He's in the National League. You see him once every three years on the rotation of playing in interleague. But right now, for what it's worth, understand why that there were none of the top six prospects that came back. Did they ask for him? They certainly did, but understand that there's no general manager in Big League Baseball that's going to give up that kind of talent for this kind of a risk in Mike Clevenger.
2: J. Lou, we got about two hours, about what 45 minutes, somewhere around there until the deadline uh, you know, creeps up on us, and, and you mentioned maybe they aren't done, and AR, AR and I touched on that as well at the top of the show. A name that's been kind of floated out there in the outfield realm is Starling Marte of yes. the Arizona Diamondbacks. Do you believe yep. That that is something that um, they will try to explore here within the next couple of hours.
5: Most definitely, uh, that's an impact right-handed bat. That again, the 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 problems or the hurdles that you'd have to get over with that is the salary. That is that is going to be the biggest thing. Is that Arizona again when they acquired Marte? He was a guy that they were going to try and build around a little bit. But if you understand where he's at, he is signed through the end of this year and has a 21-team option. Okay, His contract is seven years for $41.5 million, and that option is going to be the double-digit millions there. So that's going to be the one thing you weigh is who do you give up to get him for the rest of this year and then be able to exercise that option next year. He's hitting 311. Uh, the, The home run totals are down. He's only got two right now with 14 RBIs. But that would be an impact bat that if you take him and you put him in progressive field in this division, you could definitely foresee why this guy would be a major, major plus.
1: Well, and you're going to have competition, right? If the Yanks yep. jump in on that, which they may, and I, I, you know, if you read all the rumors, they may be uh, motivated to get in on that. I, you sound higher on the trade than Maddie and I do right now, and we're going to lean towards your expertise on this. They had the luxury, certainly, of moving Clevenger with the rotation depth that they have. They feel pretty good about it, and they wanted to strengthen what is a perceived weakness. They need more offense if they're going to make a run. They're in first place, so the winning window is still open. They feel good about it. If this season, J. Lou, which was so unpredictable, would have gotten off to a worse start, um, how how did you think them being in first place impacted their motivation here at the deadline and what they wanted and what they needed?
5: I think if we're we're playing hindsight here, there definitely would have been a massive push uh, to, to see what you could get for Francisco Lindor. And again, when you look at all of these teams making these deadline deals this year, a lot of them are flying blind because you're going off of what happened for a minor league season last year. We know there's none this year. And again, you can say all you want about the alternate site. There, there's no real games. I mean, they're inner squads, and it's a completely different playing scenario than if you're going against competition that's not your friends or your roommates or people that you know very well. That being said, to understand where the Indians are as far as their short-term needs, they may go out and get another bat. But also remember, this is a team that is utterly dominant in their rotation, and we know what wins in the postseason. Look at the Washington Nationals last year. It did not take them a bunch of runs to win the World Series. What it did take? Heroic efforts. Heroic efforts. From Steven Strasburg, from Max Scherzer, from Patrick Corbin, Danny Hudson, a little bit of Sean Doolittle sprinkled in there. That's all it took. This year's postseason is going to be a little bit different because you're going to have to have the balance of the depth of your rotation, knowing you've got a three-game possibility in Mm -hmm. the first round. You're going to turn right around and have a five-game series where you may not be able to run your ace out in game one. You're going to have to have depth in your rotation, The Indians have that luxury. That's why they were able to send Clev and get not only their short-term stuff, but also things that they can build around. We know the payroll has been an issue here. It's going to remain that way, and they need guys they can control and can contribute in a short amount of time. That's where the impetus of this deal ended up coming to. So to kind of circle the wagons for you here, if they would have fallen out of the gates – you would have seen likely more heat come down the pike for a Lindor and maybe even a Clevenger, even if the Chicago incident never happens because of knowing that Clev's entering year two of arbitration this offseason. His salary's going to go from $4 million to likely double that. Where were the Indians as far as their commitments if they wanted to try and get Lindor? you going have to find a way to scrape together as many millions as possible. So those are the ideas if they would have started slow. They didn't. That's a good thing for the fan base because I still believe there's really not a big impetus to move Lindor before the 4 p.m. deadline.
2: Jay, Lou, you touched on really quick that situ- uh, that Chicago situation that involved Mike Clevenger, but it also involves Zach Plesak. What does all of this mean for him and his future for Cleveland?
5: I think you understand that Tristan McKenzie has earned himself one more start for sure. I think he's going to end up getting that last start against the Royals on Wednesday. Let's see what happens there. And knowing that there could be a spot in the rotation now that opens up, you would think he's the leading candidate to be in there. Knowing how he started the season, he's paid his penance Uh, He's he's done everything that's been asked of him and then we'll see if they want to bring him back up. I think we'll learn a lot more when we talk with Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff later today, kind of get their short term outlook and what they want to do. Uh, You'll have Bieber tonight against the Royals and and go from there. But there's definitely a, a depth of starting pitching that the Indians routinely and I mean year after year, you can go all the way back to the Jake Westbrook for Corey Kluber trade. Remember they traded Shinsu Chu for Trevor Bauer. Yeah. This front office doesn't miss. <laughs> I mean, you got a really fun – maybe Jake Bowers and the Yandy Diaz trade. If you look back in the last five to six years, guys, they, they've really dominated. They really have because everyone will overreact in that interim. But you look at where everything has played out in a short and long term – They've maximized. They've done it really well. And save for maybe one or two of those deals, I mean, the Jake Bowers one certainly stands out, but all those other ones have turned into front of line rotation guys and the ability to retain controllable, dominant talent for many, many years.
1: Gives the pods, though, a legitimate shot at a title. Yes. Does it not?
5: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean if, if they don't I don't know how they can trade for anyone else in the league. I mean, they've gotten everybody. So, yeah, they, you think about that division. If you're the LA Dodgers right now, you felt really good about right. getting Mookie Betts and feeling like, "Okay, well, we'll go ahead and coast into the 1 seed." You're looking potentially right now at the Padres could lock up the 4 seed and if they make a run, could challenge the Dodgers for the top seed. Yeah. The Dodgers win and the Padres win, they're locked into that 5 best of 5 series in the next round. Oh. Yeah. Watch out! Fireworks! Let's go.
1: Dodgers have been mashing too. Um, I don't think the odds are. I think the odds are pretty low. But if you if you got a tribe pod series, my goodness, oh, that'd be. I mean, to have this thing come full circle, God. All right, that
5: it We're we're going to exactly. uh, for stakes absolutely. All right,
1: final twenty seconds. Your name one person. Your favorite piece of the Clevenger trade. One dude. Uh,
5: Um, I think if I had to put it right now, probably the Arius kid, uh, just because of what his potential is going to be 20 years old knowing what he can do defensively if the offense comes around, God, that is that a steal right there.
1: J. Lou, you're the man, buddy. We'll, uh, we got you on the pen line here, man. So we'll reach out again soon. We appreciate it.
5: You got to talk to you Friday, boys. Our boy
1: Jensen Lewis, affectionately known as J. Lou on this show. And he gives you everything on the trade and A lot of what you and I talked about liked it a little more than we did. Um, But obviously brought a little more to the table as well. When we come back, Matty, there is a workhorse back (laughs) that's on the market. Who should want him? And should anybody want him? We'll talk about that next. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Feel unappreciated? Things not working out the way you imagined? Bad news. Sometimes life sucks. Good news, we don't. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Sports talk, well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice.
1: Yep. Maddie says, burn it. Just oh, Burn God. it. No question, All right, question, man. Ain't nothing below done... A1. I was just going to oh, say, yeah. Ain't nothing but A1. pretty underrated. Heinz the, uh, what's the other one? Heinz 57? Yeah, man. That the that's one? the best. Yeah. They're yeah. both good. A1, you know, they're both good. Well, A1 a little, sauce. They're different, though. That's for sure. They are very different. Worst to Sir Shaw. <laughs> All right. So um, yeah. we could have just done 30 minutes. No breaks, no breaths. On that baseball stop. Right, like literally, right. I think the three of us were on a uh, four-minute mile pace doing that. We we're all so into it. And the MLB trade deadline today is at four p.m. Yeah, uh, Leonard Fournette was cut by the Jags. Yeah. Now, about does it. this shock me or you? Probably not. This close to the season, I guess it does. He was due to make four million. This was going to be the final year of his rookie deal. I don't know where he's going to land, but someone's going to get him, and he's going to be one of those fantasy stash guys. I like to think that the Jags think that they're okay in their running back room, like with their future, and maybe they are with Zigbo and Thompson and Armstead. Yeah, yeah, um, but but yeah. this is more about wrecking ball. This is more about culture. This is more about starting over again. They are, they are turning this organization into rubble so yeah. they can build it back up again. I, Fournette has had his weird times there. He's a 1,100-yard back. He was going to mm-hmm. get the ball 250-plus times or at least close to that probably this year. He's going to be another 1,000-yard back for them. He probably would have gotten in the end zone a half a dozen times or more, even though they were going to suck. So I, I look at this trade and I'm almost – or look at this giveaway because they couldn't trade him. And I, I thought that was interesting that Marone basically said we couldn't trade. We couldn't give him away. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if that was necessary. Like, I, that struck me weird. I don't know how it struck you. But did you see the, t- the the comment from him? Well, we tried; yeah, we couldn't it. get anything for him—a fifth, the yeah. a sixth, a seventh. Like, why do I need to know that? Why do I need to know that you couldn't get a used bag of footballs for him? Like, I that, guess that's just, unnecessary.
2: Just to throw it out to your fan base that we did try to do everything we could to get something in return that we didn't give him away because I think in maybe in some Jags mind, Jags fans mind, they view him as one of their own. He was a young guy; he came in, he was supposed to turn the franchise around with that great defense that they had just a few years ago, and we watched them playing that AFC title game against Tommy and Bill mm-hmm. up in Foxborough, had the lead late in the game, and didn't get it done. This is a guy, A.R., that since his freshman year at LSU, we heard so much about how much of a stud he was, steps on LSU's campus 1,000 yards, follows that up with almost 2,000 a year after that. But since he got to the NFL, he hasn't really had those consistent peak moments. And you mentioned some other stuff that's gone on inside the organization, and maybe yeah. they weren't happy with how he was going about handling his business as a pro but now you look at a guy that's on the market like this and whether he's a you know you know that he's talented like I always I believe that he's a talented guy and the thing that I liked last year AR was that he caught north of 75 balls. Mm -hmm. So he's not just a north and south guy. He showed last year that he can get it done and come out of the backfield and catch some passes for you, too. It's just you can't help, or at least my mind, went to the whole situation of, well, are they using the T-word? Are they
1: tanking? Absolutely. They're all in on the tank. Of course they are. They're all in on it, and I'm not going to crush them for it. Yeah, look,
2: they know what's coming up in the next few months with the quarterbacks that are available, whether it's Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Trevor Lawrence. These organizations that are in this mindset of um, not New England but Jacksonville no we got to get one of these guys to re-up re our organization it didn't work with Blake Bortles he was supposed to be their franchise guy that was a huge miss and now you've peeled away some pieces defensively that got you in the mix with some good teams and now on the offensive side of the ball you're stripping it away too with a guy that you thought was going to be the dude too so yeah their eyes to me are on these three quarterbacks in the draft we're not going to have an idea which one that is but I don't care what they tell us or what quotes are being thrown out there about their cap space and all that. This is a clear tanking process oh, that yeah. they're going through. That's what it I'm, is. I'm
1: not spending four million dollars to win games. Right? Like I'm not doing like that's the double whammy. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay Leonard Fournette four million dollars to help me win games. Yeah, I don't want to win games. The prize is too big in a weird season, right? And so there was no threat of them continuing this relationship with Fournette, right? Like I don't think so. No, Do you?
2: I don't think, I don't think so either. No, now. I really don't think so. And now you look at Gardner Minshew, who was thinking throughout this all season that he ha- may have a chance here to go out and maybe take the reins here, and that still could be the case. But you let F- Foles go up to Chicago, and now you've got Gardner Minshew there, who some people like. I- I'm not the biggest fan of Gardner Minshew. I think he's fine, uh, but he's waking up today probably thinking, well, you know, maybe this is a little telling of how the organization thinks of me. So it could. We talked about the Cleveland Indians, their window that they were. This is a, it. Happens fast, and Jacksonville was a team we probably were talking about as a team that's going to be around for a handful of years. That is no longer the case, and now uh, look—the one team that jumped to my mind, AR are was Ch- was Chicago. Oh, okay.
1: I was going to uh, say something different. and you No, know but go I ahead. Going. I was just
2: going to say Chicago was a team that I was looking at potentially could be a landing spot. I think it fits your division AR, yeah. tough runner, weather can get a little cold, and they're dealing with an mm-hmm. injury to David Montgomery. I know he'll be back eventually, but we talked about you know, Tariq Cohen yeah. and Coral Patterson. Do we love that? I no. don't. So I, I have my
1: eyes on the Bears, maybe. I think you hit on something where there's a big need and where it looks like there could be a good fit. I, I don't know. Fournette's personality – Might change a little bit when you get a fresh start, right? Like, I don't know if they're going to get the same malcontent Fournette the next team. I think wherever he goes, he's going to be motivated to show that Jacksonville um, screwed up, right? I I think there'll be some of that. I'm glad you picked that team because I think that's where it would make the most sense. But what jumps to my mind about Leonard Fournette... Is teams that are very close or teams that feel like they don't want to bottom out, and one of that is one of them is the New England Patriots. Now mm. I don't know if they'll want to spend the money on him. I don't know where they are. They probably don't have it, and so I, that's probably not the one. Tampa seems to be pretty close, right? Like that. That's uh, you know oh, I, in Florida and yeah. they haven't had anything going with with uh, their backfield. That's uh, yeah. a, and that was the one missing piece I thought with Tom is if you could give him a little bit of a running game.
2: Yeah, no, I, no, I like that because they're already in, so they should definitely be type making these type of moves. I just, you know, I haven't loved their running back situation, mm-hmm. so I definitely think they should sniff around whether it's Ronald Jones or an older LaShawn McCoy. I think if you're a team that's in their championship window or in a championship window, um, I think you need a little bit more juice there. But they may like their guys. I, I just, I look at the Bears, man, and, and I feel like when you have some uncertainty there with your starting guy and Matt Nagy, may his seat may be a little bit warm, and you've got some quarterback questions there maybe get him up to shy town as a guy that can do some uh, bruising type of running there especially when the weather starts to turn
1: we'll talk to jeremy fowler next espn senior nfl reporter we'll find the landing spots that make sense we'll talk to him next rothman and ice on the fan
0: can't you haven't noticed we have a thing about hiring former buckeye linebackers if we don't they'll kill us bishop and laurinitis weekdays from nine to noon the fan Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for
1: every meal? Check. Yeah, I know you hungry. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. we go right to the Brian Heating Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. Bring on our friend Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL reporter. Jeremy, thanks for the time. Hey, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, good deal. Let's go right to Leonard Fournette because that's the headliner today. Um, expensive dude, workhorse back. There's got to be a spot for him in this season, correct? W- what are the most logical landing spots? Do you think he'll get yeah, one? Yeah, I,
6: I think he'll land. Somebody will take a chance on him, but I am not so sure. Um, mm-hmm. it, I've talked to some people that have coached him recently. Uh, some people are with him in Jacksonville. I mean, just the the, uh, the locker room issues are abundant. It's not just the player. I mean, there's there's some right. attitude character concerns there. I'm sure not a lot of teams want to take on. You combine that with the fact that he's really the best fit in a true I formation, um, kind of as that true workhorse. And and so many offenses have gotten away from that. They run the outside zone. They mix it up. uh, A lot of passing. And so I don't know if there's a natural home for him. I think Tampa Bay, um, they talked to uh, the Jaguars around the draft, but I think it was more the Jaguars reaching out to them. So, you know, I could see them taking a flyer, certainly. Uh, but I don't think this list is going to be long.
2: Jeremy heading up Jacksonville was also a, a part of a deal this weekend as well. Uh, trading, you know, Yannick and to the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe, uh, can you throw out some of the details on that? And also kind of a two-parter here. Does this go, is this going to have any effect on where they are with deno Hunter and maybe, you know, him maybe wanting a new deal with the kind of this new money out there.
6: It's possible. I, I, it's been hard to get more details on the Hunter situation. Um, You know, he makes about $14.5 million a year, which when he did that deal two years ago was good money. Right now, you know, pass rushers are getting almost double that, the top guys, and Daniel could make the case he is a top guy. So um, I think this is a combination of things. I don't think the trade is strictly a Daniel Hunter move. I think it's, you know, they needed a bookend. They needed two defensive ends. They they know they're at their best in Mike Zimmer's offense, especially with a young secondary. Excuse me, Mike Zimmer's defense. Young secondary, they need two really good edge guys. Uh, but now they have it. And, uh, you know, I think um, they look at it as they potentially was signed in Gakwe long-term as well, uh, but they have the flexibility to put the tag on them in 2021. Uh, so it's a really good deal for the Vikings in that way, considering they didn't have to give up a first-round pick for them as well. Um, so I think it's mostly independent of Hunter, but that situation is clearly one to watch because a lot of times when you have a vague absence, it's for that reason. It's money-related.
1: Jeremy Fowler with a CSPN NFL reporter on the Brian Heating Cooling System's Fangus Hotline. The second I saw this, I thought, wow, okay, Dalvin, you, you, either, you either can strike back at the Vikings and say, well, now, I'm, now I could hold out for sure. Like now, like you, guys are, you guys spent all this money, and <laughs> you feel like you upgraded your defense. Does he get more leverage, less leverage? Where does the Dalvin Cook situation stand?
6: Well, I think I think the problem is he doesn't really have much leverage at all in the sense that uh, he he can't hold out in today's NFL with the CBA to make it nearly impossible. He, you know, he could maybe say, I'm going to miss a game, um, almost like a hold in instead of a hold out, you know, just saying you're hurt when you're not or something. But there conduct detrimental rules to that as well. So uh, he's in a bad spot. I think the Vikings have gone to their ceiling as far as how much they're willing to pay him. They are willing to do a deal with him, just not in that, you know, uh, 13 million range per year or above, and which you know Dalvin feels like he should be there. So uh, I think it's going to play out a lot like Derrick Henry's situation did. You know, you play your fourth rookie year, you ball out, and then you, you get franchise tagged and mm-hmm. try to work out a long-term deal like Tennessee did with Derrick. Jeremy it's always scary
2: times man when it comes to injuries especially right around training camp um, time and we had some of that unfold again out there for the Chargers Derwin James really good young defensive player uh, what's the latest on the injury situation with Derwin James
6: Well with a meniscus situation that uh, we're hearing is likely going to require surgery at some point I mean that's that's the very earliest for the I mean, the very earliest would be a month out, but it's probably looking like worse than that. So I think I still think there's a chance he plays, but it have to be the back end of the season um, that's the way things are looking right now. But um, still waiting for clarity on that. But it, it's unfortunate. I mean, every year Chargers seem to go through this. You know, this is a guy who's going to push for defensive player of the year, most likely. You know, he's he's a freak safety, and now they have to wait.
1: Is Earl Thomas still getting kicked around out there in the league? I mean, it seems like we're trying to create rumors for him, and are any of these substantial? Um, the Cowboys maybe well, in and out. I thought the Browns maybe. Chargers. What's happening, do you think, with Earl?
6: So I know he's gotten multiple inquiries. Um, I know he's not in a rush, and I think he's thinking more September anyways. And he's got a grievance that he's going to likely file with the NFL, uh, over $10 million in guaranteed money. And that that sort of impacts things based on who wants to sign him because, uh, you know, if he uh, gets that money, then you can sign up to a cheap deal that offsets. But if he doesn't, then, you know, he's going to want a bigger contract. And he wants to go to a winner as well, from what I understand. Um, I think Cleveland has kicked it around uh, because, you know, they could use a free safety help. You know, most teams like Durham James is one well, they on the line of scrimmage guy. Earl Thomas is not that. So I don't know that Thomas is a direct replacement, but, you know, right now the Browns have Carl Joseph and Anthony, or Andrew Sandejo. Both guys are more hitters, you know, more of those, uh, box, you know, box safety types at least, you know, they could use a post guy. And uh, so that's why I think Earl makes sense there. And I think the Browns will at least inquire.
2: I wanna head down to Philly, uh, Jeremy, because we've seen them we've talked about the injury bug, they've been hit with some injuries there, but I, I wanted to hone in on their offensive line because I thought I saw over the weekend that potentially is Jason Peters, the veteran that they brought back to play guard, is there, you know, some contract stuff they're trying to work out? What's the deal with, you know, Jason Peters and Carson Winter, the whole offense right now?
6: Yeah, well Jason Peters signed a a, a pretty cheap, you know, three million dollar deal or so to to play guard for them. And, uh, you know, when they ask you to play left tackle instead, which the Eagles might need to do, uh, I think Peters is just offering them, you know, a solution. Hey, pay me a little bit more to be a left tackle now, like I've been on my career, and uh, we'll go from there. You know, so at 38 years old, I don't know how much the Eagles want to actually do that, but it looks like it'll have to come to a head at some point. I think they're going to experiment with their options. They have Matt Pryor. They can swing out there, uh, but he has limited experience. So uh, their options are not great. I mean, this is a line that, you know, not too long ago, had Andre Dillard, a former first-round pick, to play tackle, and Brandon Brooks, who's one of the best in the game, at guard, now both are gone for the year.
1: All right, Jeremy, good stuff, man. Great insight, great updates on all of that. We appreciate you hopping on on short notice today. Really valuable. Thanks, man. Hey, Be well.
6: Hey, anytime, guys. Appreciate you having me. Yep.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL reporter on the Bryant-Heating-Coin Systems fan guest hotline. Uh, A lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the Chargers might be now, like, because when you brought up Derwin, I just thought that maybe they would be interested in Earl. Yeah, no, no doubt. And man, you look at some of the moves that they made
2: this off season. Ar, you bring in Chris Harris from the Broncos, and they drafted Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, one of the best linebackers in the class. From everything that we were told around draft time, and it looks really good on paper what they can do defensively with you know Joey and Ingram and all those guys on the defensive side of the ball. But this is the guy, right? This is kind of that Swiss Army knife. You heard knife mm-hmm. knife that you heard Jeremy talk about that he can move him everywhere at all three yeah. levels of the defense if you need it. And just man, like AR, they've been in this what kind of four to five year window now where we've <laughs> looked at the Chargers and said, okay, this could be the year. They got all this talent, and it just never really uh, pans out the way they want it to. And obviously, this is a big blow. A very talented team, man. But yeah, this guy uh, he can do a lot of things for your defense. And not having him around, especially with the, you know their quarterback situation, Herbert and Tyrod, how's that going to work? It's already tough enough when you got to face Kansas City twice a year. You you need all the yeah. bullets in the chamber you can get, and they're one bullet. Short right now with Derwin James.
1: Maybe I follow DJ into this into the surgery room. He's going to get a little <laughs> men, a, a little meniscus trim, right? Uh,
2: yeah, no, absolutely.
4: Can we man. bundle <laughs> that
1: thing? Can you just, two can for I, one? Can I just be a throw-in? Can we meniscus bundle? Oh like, man, you know, you're like hey, listen, you're going to get a little trim. Why don't you do my boy over here? He's on my The difference is he'll be back in four in four weeks. <laughs> me four months. Oh. Man. Um, well when oh, I saw good. that meniscus, I was like, Yeah, yeah, look at that, that guy. Is. Well he yeah. does it for a living. That's why he has to do it. You know what's so funny AR is that. A trim. I Just saw a little, little adjustment.
2: <laughs> I was reading uh <laughs> under one of the Fournette stories this morning, you know, people were saying Oh my goodness, I drafted him last night and I thought about you. I could hear my man mm. AR say it. See? Nope. This is Stupid. why you wait.'" This is what you wait right here. By the way, yeah. they
1: did the fantasy auto draft order in our league and I I think there's I some serious payback for okay. me. Like I, 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 I I've been getting the number 1 pick a I, lot and then the last couple of years it's last. <laughs> like, like last. Not like, you know, no man's land, 8, 9, 10. Like, I'm talking going to last. And a lot of people would be like, you know what, I wouldn't mind getting last because you get the swing back right away, you get the double pick. I'm like, yeah, maybe in a 10-team league. Correct. Not in a 14-team Correct. league. Yeah, yeah. 10 to I 12, you'd be okay. 12 is stretch. You But know what I Nate? need? What? What do you need? I need somebody in our league to probably go after Lamar Mahomes early. Like, that has to happen for me. Because if it doesn't, then I'm looking probably – Mm. I'm trying to think what running backs might be available late in our league. You know, because you know the Browns fans will jump on Chubb and Mixon will probably go. And Something uh, like Josh oh, yeah. Jacobs. I bet somebody reaches for, for Ceh early. Um, well, you know maybe somebody helps me out and takes Michael Thomas early. You know, um, I'm probably looking at the Aaron Joneses, the Kenyon Drakes, the Austin Ecklers of the world. Like they're not bad. Like yeah, it's just, no. I just they don't just they don't just scream stud. That's the difference. They could be still I, very valuable for me, but yeah. I but getting fourteen in a fourteen team league, it's that, that's, that's the the fantasy gods saying you've had enough.
2: And speaking, and I'll, I'll give the you know our fine listeners a little tease. We may have a little fantasy thing segment cooked mm-hmm. up for you guys. So make sure you listen to the program tomorrow yeah. for maybe a new reveal that we've got here on Rothman and Nice. Yeah, you know, look, man, I feel your pain. It's a tough Where are you spot. Uh, that's what I was. I got to figure this out during the break. I got to look and see. I'll have an answer for you after the break. How about that? What's
1: the name of your team? I've got. You I'm know. the three eyed ravens.
2: You know oh, the, game right. the game that's of the Game of Thrones. Baltimore Ravens yeah, tie in the there. Three so, yeah. eyed
1: ravens. So that's me. Maybe brother. you're picking 13, and the Zim Reapers are going to be picking 14.
2: <laughs> You'll pick up the scraps right after Brutal. me.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, oh, we'll come man. back with a Buckeye Bolton after this. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Sports conversation and sometimes pure stupidity. Awesome, funny, random. Your home of the Buckeyes. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. Rothman and Ice present
3: Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the heat? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train systems, including 0% APR for 60 months.
1: All right, Buckeye Bulletin time. Matty, nice location to nice location. You can give him that. Raquan McMillan from the Miami Dolphins to the Las Vegas Raiders. How about it? It's not exactly it? awful. But when you kind of dig into the football side of it, this is a guy who's going to go from starting to being shopped around to being off the team. Like, that's the weird. So it's, in a lot of ways, and if you read what's going down in Miami, their tendency under Chris Greer For the last couple years, like he started to get really creative with compensation and trying to bring Miami back the most coveted asset they could. Um, The next step for them, hope that the Raiders kind of stink this year as this pick has the potential to sit right on the edge of the top 100 if the Raiders are down in the basement with some of the bad teams of this season. And so it's a very Greer and Dolphin type move. To flip an established guy for the promise of a nice chip in the future. And they don't have to make this tough decision on how much to pay or offer Raekwon as a limited player in coverage. So as you dig into the football side of it, the weird part about what draft picks are going to be worth and how you're going to assess those might be a little more difficult. But you can see the motivation.
2: Yeah, no doubt, man. And you, hopefully, this is a sticking point for him out there in Vegas. Uh, you know, I'm with you in lockstep as far as going from the 305 out there to Vegas. That's good living right there for a young guy. So, yeah, back in 2018, AR gave you 105 tackles. Mm-hmm. He has had some injury stuff there, so I'm sure there's a question mark. But uh, when you go back and look at where he was selected, second round pick back there in 2017, obviously Miami thought highly of him. And I also thought about maybe, you know, some of the money that they spent this offseason, AR had a little bit to do with that because. You know, you mentioned like the new culture that they're trying to build down there with Brian Flores coming from New England. They spent a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball. So maybe it just wasn't a scheme fit for what they wanted to do. But yeah, going out there to vegas i remember hearing so much about gruden and mayock talk about they want players from winning programs you look at some of their drafts going to get guys from clemson and alabama uh they probably think highly of him because they know he's coming from uh ohio state so we'll see man but the hell stuff for all these guys is very important let's just see if he can carve out a role out there for the raiders
1: yes and let's keep some perspective here for ohio state defensive tackle haskell garrett He was discharged from the OSU Medical Center today. He was injured in a shooting on Sunday. It's very vague on what was going on, who he was with. Uh, The police haven't released anything on this. But when you hear about a dude suffering a through-and-through gunshot wound to the face, you can't even think. You can't wrap your mind around it. So the fact that he got released... Less than 24 hours after this happening on Chittenden Avenue. So no one, the police have not issued anything to media as far as identifying a suspect or any information about how and why the shooting happened. Until we get that, we won't speculate because there'd be no reason to do that. And we wish uh, Haskell Garrett well in his recovery. Ryan Day did issue a release that says... Uh, they're going to be supporting and helping he and his family in any way they can to make his recovery go as smoothly and quickly as possible
2: yeah that's all man that's all you can do from you know our our position here on the outside looking in is just hope for the best and on the health front and all that stuff moving forward but yeah just um very very tough to just read something like this you know no matter who it involved, an athlete or not um when you you know you laid out some of the details about you know to the face and that that's terrifying stuff no matter where you take a gunshot wound but especially there that's Mm. uh very, very scary. So, yeah, you just got to uh, hope and pray that moving forward, everything will be okay. And then um, we can just push through.
1: That is today's Buckeye Bulletin. All right, Maddie, Sports Center update, top of the hour. We come yeah. back with a deeper dive mm-hmm. into the robust trade that sends Clev to the coast. Did the Indians upgrade enough when it comes to dealing this dude? We'll attack that next. It is Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive.
1: All right, welcome back, third hour of the show. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice, Rudy Rudiger taking over for the tweeting CB today. Took the day off to tweet. That can be tough. That's grueling. Oh you know, yeah, you know Twitter for, for a millennial. You of know course, that's man. the millennial workout. You know, social media for about four hours.
2: Our thumbs are in prime, you know, <laughs> prime shape. They have been for about a decade now. But well, that's what really we have. do. You know, CB calls off for the day. Now he's probably just sitting around, like you said, looking at IG models on the gram and tweeting out about you know Mike Clevenger going to San Diego. I'm not mad at him, man. That's how you do it.
1: Let me ask you real quick before we dive into this nine player extravaganza. Does the millennial? You say the thumbs, the texting is is critical acclaim. Like I agree with you, they're the best at the texting. If, if a millennial has to sit down and actually type on the computer, like type a letter or an email of some kind, is it, the, is it equal talent there or is it like, if I'm not using my thumbs, I'm useless?
2: Now, see, I can't let you throw us too far under the bus because I have seen some OGs, and their typing mm-hmm. skills aren't great huh. either. With just the straight north and south index fingers going up and down from button down. to button. But to answer your question, no, we can actually hold it down on the keyboard because, as mm-hmm. you know, millennials widespread from the ages of eighteen to what is it, thirty five or whatever the whatever the is window that is. High? I I don't know. Maybe what I'm is- way off on that. I, maybe I'm way off on that. But you know, we go through school, so we runner. gotta we gotta sit in class and. Then and you know, type and text at the same time. We were just amazing multitaskers, man. Maddie, Give us you're our like credit.
1: Spring break, no class. Yeah. Um, let me. Let's go over this nine-player deal for Mike Clevenger. Sure, let's do it. Um, you and I kind of skimmed this earlier today, and I, I just have a sense that you and I have a, a good feel about this. Clev had to go, and. I oh, think I shouldn't say it. they didn't have to go. I think in the front office they believed he did. Mm-hmm. If he lied to Antonetti's face, like I, I don't know how much you really come back from that. Like I, you know what I mean? It's like because you were probably thinking about moving him anyway, and then you're going to lie to my face over well, something this serious. Like yeah. You, that, so they bring that him matters. back on, on, a, on a PR tour to try to get him a start and showcase him a little bit and make sure that other teams know that. Yeah, we, we feel like whatever happened was a mistake. He apologized for it. And I I think going forward, he'll be fine. Um, they get Arius, They get the the shortstop prospect who is not one of the Padres' top five dudes, but he serious, was number a, seven. He's he number seri- seven. A though. Serious talent, right? Yeah. And so he's as Jay Lou said, he's the diamond. He's the gem of of this of this trade. But you're in first place. You need help now. You need you need a powerful bat. Josh Naylor uh, comes over. He was a first round pick about five years ago. And I think he was pretty good last year, slugging pretty well. I think mean, he had eight homers, but I mean, he was slashing pretty good last year. But I think this year his average has been pretty garbage. Uh, he's young though; he's young. He's twenty three, I believe. And so, um, and they didn't get him for defense. We know that there is some upside here. You got a left-handed bat, um, and I do think he's going to get in there right away and play like Jay Lou said. And so, uh, there's something about this that doesn't scream. Get back for me, like with Cleb. Like, there's, like, Cleb, I think, was good enough, and with team control, I expected a little more, but I understood why they were a little, a little bit handcuffed with not wanting to deal with the White Sox, that's for sure. Like, the White Sox mm-hmm. have the bats, and they had the ace and Giolito, who just threw that no hitter against the Pirates. I couldn't imagine them trading away a guy in the division to a team that isn't. Rebuilding. The White Sox are right there with them. So I think right. it would have to take something weird and big for them to get Clevenger to swap in the central in some blockbuster volume deal at the deadline. Like that yeah, I didn't that, see that. You know what good. I mean? So this, yeah, this no, made sense. Atlanta was involved and San Diego had the offensive, they had offensive stuff that, that the Indians could be seeking. Uh, the Padres haven't made a playoff in a Baker's dozen here. Like they had tradable people, they had this to pull off, and now it makes them an instant contender. Even though with the Dodgers right there, so yeah. it does seem like a fairly decent win-win. I just feel like Clev was the big piece. Certainly, pitching wins championships. You believe mm-hmm. Indians had the luxury of thinking their roster, their their starting rotation is deep enough to move him, but I just thought that I'd be wowed a little more. And maybe there's still time to be wowed. Yeah, and I guess, you know,
2: the wow maybe comes years down the road, AR, with all these prospects. And I know that's, you know, never a fun thing where your team gets all the prospects and it's kind of wait-and-see mode, but I think that's how we have to view this trade and you mentioned the guys that could potentially make an impact right away from them coming over from San Diego and Josh Naylor, mainly because their outfield has struggled a little bit this year offensively, and they need a little bit of a spark there. But I'm with you. I, when you get it, when you roll out a guy like Mike Cleveringer and you put him on a plane and he heads out to another team that team that he's going to is now viewing him as their ace or their number two and what immediate impact are you mm-hmm. getting back and when a guy like that leaves your locker room that's what I want in return and I don't know if I see that right now which is fine if Cleveland's in the mindset of okay we are moving on from this window mm-hmm. that we are in and I don't know how they're thinking but I do know that Minnesota and Chicago that being the White Sox are going to be around for a long time mainly the Chicago White Sox because if all the young young guys that they've been waiting on and now is their time look uh clev he's a stud man this dude is a stud number one on most teams oh no question and (laughs) when you also bring in the aspect ar of him being you know under team control until 2022 until after that season that weighs a lot for me because the one thing man coming into this season that we knew that cleveland could have that could outmatch anybody for the most part was their top end guys in the rotation I don't know if I'm ready to still have the same confidence. I think Savale and Plesac are good pitchers. I think they're mm-hmm. really good. I know the top 2 guys are great and Cookie and Shane Bieber. But I don't know if I have that same confidence today. I, I I really don't feel that way with Cleveland, and I could be proven wrong with those young guys. They may be just as good as the other guys that are no longer there, and Kluber, and Bauer, and now Clevenger, but I'm in kind of wait-and-see mode, and I would have liked them to get an MLB-ready outfielder that's going to be a stud that you can put in the back end of that lineup and go out and mash every single night, but... I say all that to say this. This is an organization now, AR, that we have to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially when it comes to pitching, because they have a tremendous track record with bringing up guys that can go out and get it done. Plesak coming out of college, he had an injury. They waited on him. That's turned out to be well. But, man, as we sit here, I would have felt a lot better if they would have held on to Clevenger or got a dude back that you know can help out Frankie and Jose Ramirez in that lineup.
1: Well, there's no denying they really like Clevenger. We all did. I, I think that they just had the luxury to be able to do this. I do think the Chicago incident hurt him. I think the line to the president's face hurt him. Could they have gotten and past it? And the team, it? AR, and, and his, his guys. Yep. His guys weren't happy either. That's true. I mean, I, I think they could have gotten past it. I think, you know, once he... Threw himself at the mercy of the team. I I think they could have gotten past it. Not everyone's flawed, Uh, and he did something incredibly stupid. And then once he got too deep in it, he lied about it, which he's human. Uh, You know he he got caught. He owned up to it, um, and so I thought they could get past it. And that was my first thing: like they really like this guy, and he's under team control. They're in a really good position still, though. They're in the thick of this pennant chase. They still have good starters. They traded away their second best one, and so when you trade away your second best starter, it makes you think like, did they get enough back? And I wonder if they can flip some of this into something better. Now, Josh Naylor certainly, I wouldn't think is going anywhere. He can play the outfield, he can play first base. He's a lefty. He can slug. His his OPS is is seven. You know, up in the seven hundreds. I think Indians have the worst OPS in in the AL. So he should yeah. be able to help them. He should be able to help them. Uh, They get back Austin Hedges, a catcher, as Jay Lutola. He's one of the better defensive guys in the game. Uh, He's not a hitter, though, and this isn't something that, that was going to help them in their lineup with some punch there. And so their backstops are not having great offensive seasons. Hedges is probably, when it's weird to say, he's probably the best of them. Quantrill has been good in relief. That's fine. He'll go into the pen. He had some depth there, as J. Lou told us. Cal Quantrill, that's fine. Um, It it feels, and I think people have written about this already, like kind of a repeat of last year when they traded Bauer. And Bauer and Clevenger both had little bits of luggage with them when they left. Right? Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting because they could (laughs) afford to do this. They yeah. don't lose a, a crazy amount in their rotation. But as I keep saying, it's one of those things where is it a win-win yet? And I don't know if we're going to find <laughs> – I don't know if we're going to know. Tough. but they yeah. They're right there, man. They're in first place. They're a playoff caliber team without him. So yeah. I think that's the beautiful thing about trading Clevenger is that you probably don't feel like you weakened your stance that much. You just kind of wonder whether what they got and what they gave up are their odds equal in trying to make a run at a World Series championship? And yeah. I feel like they lean a little bit the other way. Like it takes a little – my confidence in them winning it all this year, and remember, they were a contender, but they weren't one of the, the big boys. My my confidence in them after this trade leans a little bit on the on the other side. I hope mm-hmm. I'm wrong
2: yeah no I am with you and I remember when they went out and got Fran Mill Reyes last year mm-hmm. AR from San Diego and the conversation about Fran Mill Reyes was well man if this guy pieces it together he can be a stud bat for them and now we advance the story to this season and he leads the team in batting average and RBIs and I don't know if Josh Naylor is going to be that guy but I know that there is a lot more buzz about the name of Fran Reyes going back to last year and being an impact guy because that's what this team needs and that's why my head is kind of all over the place with this because i don't know what the organization is admitting what are you admitting here because we know the lindor thing is coming like that absolutely is a real thing and we talked about earlier how they try to negotiate in the spring and that did not work out well Then that doesn't mean it's completely dead but the yankees these big-time organizations they're going to come a calling for francisco lindor to be their guy moving forward and when you look at this division I don't know if Cleveland views themselves as a long-term contender going neck and neck with the Twins or the White Sox. That's why I'm fascinated to see what happens here, AR, before we get to four o'clock. And also through, uh, during the break, some of this stuff kind of unfolding here. I think maybe we can tie to Cleveland here just a little bit, ARs. Lance Lynn is going to the White Sox. And you mentioned it Ooh. there that they were. I think the Padres maybe... were,
1: I think the Padres were trying to. Uh, absolutely,
2: they yeah. were. And that's why the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because the White talks are going forward and Lance Lynn has been a tremendous story this year. A guy that you could throw in your rotation. He has been a stud. And then another move that we saw, which may perk up the ears of Cleveland fans. I don't know. You know, perked mm-hmm. me up a little bit was that the Diamondbacks just traded Robbie Ray to Toronto. Now, he's the reason been,
1: why I, he's been so missed this season. I know. I, I know. I, I have no confidence that he the, gets right immediately.
2: The, the, the only reason why I bring that up is because we touched on earlier with J. Lou the name Starling Marte. Yeah. And if the Diamondbacks are trying to unload some pieces, maybe this could be the outfielder that Cleveland could go get. Now, if you tell me when we get off the air today that they've turned around this whole kind of trade window here with all the prospects from San Diego and Starling Marte. That makes me feel a lot better about parting ways uh, with Mike Clevers. There's just a couple other moves that no maybe question. could have an impact on Cleveland. I,
1: I love where your head is at because I, I'm i all in on the fliplets. I think this is a volume trade to go out and try to flip them. It doesn't mean you, you have to. And it doesn't mean they'll be able to. And I do right. worry a little bit about the Yankees jumping in on Marte. Yep. And yep. that's telling me that Aaron Judge, I don't know when he's going to come back, right? Yeah, if they're, yeah. If, yeah. If that offense for the Yankees without uh, DJ, right? He, he just came back, I think. Glaber
2: Torres is down. Yeah. Oh, a lot of their studs are down.
1: Yeah. And didn't you think uh, – I really thought one of those dudes was going to even play for the Indians. Did you not? Well, For yeah, no. club Like – and so the Yanks are still without Aaron Judge. Stanton's got a tweaked hammy. Torres, you ta- Torres. I think has a hammy as well. Mm-hmm. And now they'll get Torres back probably, and before this big run.
3: Uh, but they're I hurting, man. If
1: they're going to jump in on on Marte. Well, yeah. I think if you're Cleveland, go get it. You got to go get it because, like, who knows or what it lands. They right. could go well, for Lance too. I mean the Yankees could go for Lance.
2: Yeah, right. Well, I was just well, Marte seems like there could be a little bit of uh some a little bit of race here to get yeah. him. And you know, Cleveland, I'm sure they're trying to work the phones and all this stuff right now. I I just the more we talk about it AR, the more I wish they got a better return for the Course. for right now. Like we could be talking 2-3 years from now and all these guys could be in the lineup and be studs. But I just feel like eh, give me a little bit more juice that we could throw in the light up tonight or tomorrow for the next game, and I don't know if Josh Taylor's going to be that guy. He may turn out to be that guy, but I just know, man, if another impact back comes back to Cleveland and involved in the Cle- Clevenger trade, I think we'd feel a lot better about well, it. But you know, if you're a Cleveland fan, you are trusting your organization, and that's all you can do because of the pitching
1: stuff that they've turned around. Better start worrying about the Twins too if they get out of Marte. Like there's like. They're, they're, that's the, That thing's going to make it interesting. The Diamondbacks, the Vultures are circling. You know they've been bad this year. They've been yep. disappointing. So yep. um, they're for the taking right now. So you're right. With about an hour and a half or a little more than that, we'll find out if anything goes on with the Indians here. We'll come back. We'll play a little truth. It's Rothman and Ice on the fan. Happy birthday to us. Proud to be your heritage sports talker for 25 years. And we couldn't do
0: it without you. Now let's hug. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Oh. Tell the truth with
3: Rothman and Ice. All right, Rudy, all you, bud. All right, guys, we saw over the weekend AR's Vikings go out and get Yannick Ngakwe for a second round pick and a conditional fifth round pick, I believe it was. Earlier this summer, we also saw the uh, Seattle Seahawks go out and get Jamal Adams. Normally, NFL draft picks are held at an extremely high premium. Teams basically never give them up unless it's on draft night to move up in the draft. But do you guys think with the uncertainty of this college football season this fall, it makes more sense for teams to be more aggressive with picks this season?
1: I do. I I mean, I it's I I don't know if you can put it perfectly, Maddie, but absolutely, I would be more motivated to trade higher picks this year than any other year. There'll be less evidence. There'll be a lot less picking and prodding and poking at these guys, less last-minute tape potentially. Now if the other conferences get to go. You'll have enough, but you won't have those big non-conference big matchups that you can see guys under the bright lights. I do think future picks and the value of them—it's a little more difficult to assign what they're worth this year than most.
2: I like it, Ar, and I—I—I I, uh, I will sign off on everything you said, and I guess to kind of peel back another layer of this it matters who you are right what team you are in the NFL right now both these teams involved that being Seattle and your team up there in Minnesota they're, they're in the mix they're going to be in the mix they should be playoff contending teams so yeah if you can go out and get a Yannick Ngakwe or Jamal Adams to help you immediately do that but if you're a team like Jacksonville or some of these other teams that don't feel like they can go do it I would want to hold on to those assets so I think it matters what team you are and I do think for both Minnesota and Seattle it makes sense to give up that compensation for oh Yannick in Jamal.
0: You calling me a liar? I ain't calling you a truther. All
3: right, guys, with the MLB trade deadline today, I wanted to know what's your favorite non game day day out of the sports calendar year? Mine personally, that Thursday and Friday night at the NFL draft mm-hmm. is my absolute favorite. What's your guys'? Ooh, for me,
2: it's tough. That is very hard to beat. But I am a sucker for any trade deadline, whether that's the NBA, Major League Baseball. I love all the rumors that fly around. I love the countdown clocks. I love on NBA trade deadline day. I'm getting. I turn on the notifications for woes and shams, and I'm just reading all the tweets that are come flying in. It's exciting, man. When you get to move some pieces around the sports chessboard, and you get new faces in new places. So yeah, no, I'm a uh, trade deadline type of guy.
1: Um, with Rudy here, nothing's going to beat the draft. Nothing's going to beat the first round of the draft. The, the the great moments, the funny. I mean, we thought this year was going to be a joke, and this one turned out to be great. You had yep. some dude's mom tossing his girlfriend off the couch. <laughs> um, you had, I mean, you, you had, had a lot, dudes. right? And you had C. D. Lamb with his with yep. his girlfriend looking at his phone, and <laughs> you don't mess with that. You had, uh, I think, the Chargers fans uh, were not in full force on that Zoom on, with that Zoom board behind Raj where they did the, like the. The fake, or not, the real fans that were kind of taped. They had to put up, like, Charger logos in, like, three of those boxes. Like, they couldn't even fill that up. Um... Uh, Kinlaw's dad was rolling around. Vrabel's war room was ridiculous. We had some dude in the mirror that looked like he was on the John in the in the bathroom. Like uh, Rugs was wearing a robe. Like I could go on and on. Like I can't believe. Like of all the years that we we're gonna have, you had uh, Jerry Jones on his yacht from taken. Like it was flex. ridiculous. Kingsbury, Kingsbury flexing with the no shoes and the skinny pants. That's and- That
2: to me, I mean, I had in my power rankings of NFL flexes Russell Wilson in bed with Sierra, at, uh, oh. announcing that they got you new know, New deal, Lord. but Cliff Kingsbury is closing in on that with him just being a single guy, flexing for everyone. You know the DMs were just popping when the, the females were just watching his crib right there, out there in the, We were out there are, in the desert looking at those houses Dude. not too long ago. It's ridiculous what the, he's got, man. The virtual
1: draft this year beat any draft any <laughs> green room slide any
3: of that stuff.
1: Like It was yeah. incredible so Rudy's right. Number one is NFL
3: draft first round Whoop. Why you always lying? Forgot to hit that. Just Whoops. one more here, guys. Whoops. Uh, before Mike Clevenger <laughs> was sent off to the Padres, there were rumors that the White Sox could be involved with him. Obviously, the White Sox are tied with the Indians, first place in the AL Central right now. Where do you guys sit in terms of trading a guy within your conference or division? Are you cool. completely against it, or are you take the best offer no matter what team it is?
1: Oh, wow, it'd have to blow me away. It's got to be an offer that's over the top. It's got to be an offer that anyone would say you'd have to be so stupid and to turn it Hershel down, like it, has to, it has to get all. It has to get all the way there. Well, that was that's that's not division. Like that's you know. So no, I'm I, I'm. But it, you know, White Sox and the Indians are so tied in together this year in a weird year. Um, I can't have Clevenger coming back to haunt me in the in my own division because the Indians made this trade for present and future. It wasn't this all in move for them. So I'm I'm in, in that mindset of. No, no, no. This has to be one of those, the other team is so stupid, fine, I'll do it. So I wouldn't.
2: Yeah, I'm staying away completely from trading any of my cats within the division. I could warm up to the conference type of deal, even though I'll have to see in an AFC or NFC title game. I don't love that. I'd rather see you in the Super Bowl, you know, because your famous line, can this guy come back to haunt me? is something that I will forever use in life and in sports, whatever, that, whatever the case is. But, no, uh, get him out of the division. I, I can't do business with you in the division. But in the conference, I'm okay with that if I'm a GM.
1: Why, why do you got to bring up Herschel? Why do you got to hurt me? Why do you got to cut oh, me? Like it, was, it was the first yeah, big yeah, trade that the came worst trade in my, the history of the league. You just want to bring that up right now with Herschel? <laughs> oh, my Trust goodness. me. And we were a back away, and we thought we were. And that was, yeah. believe me, that was at, at, at Herschel's prime. And uh, I don't know. What did we give up, 11 guys for him? Oh, I think.
2: Yeah, I think that is the I mean, I it, it's amazing.
1: I mean, you know, want to turn those into Emmett Smith and Russell Maryland and Darren Woodson. Why not? You know? <laughs>
2: Those guys wow. are all right. They turned out to be all right players. <laughs> My <laughs> goodness, man!
1: Uh, you know how many years? You know, by the way, you know what? You know, how Long Herschel played for us. I don't actually. No, how many years? He played like, play like two there? years. Wow! And he never wow. got. He never got to one k. Yeah. And then Not we did. That. Then he went to the Eagles and the Giants. And then guess who got him back eventually? <laughs> Big D. Yep, like it's amazing. Like it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it's one of the uh, worst trades in the history of sports. Not just the oh, NFL, yeah. and basically one that built the Cowboys dynasty of the '90s. <laughs> That's what we. They should be thanking us, and I know they are. What, what but I, would a but team? need
2: more. What would a team have to offer your Minnesota uh, Vikings right now for Dalvin Cook? What, what would you, as a fan, if you got news today that the breaking news the Minnesota Vikings traded Dalvin Cook to whoever for what? It's a first if round f-
1: talent, dude. He is. He's a first round talent with a first round future. Like he's 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 that good, and we're in a winning window, so he isn't going anywhere. Sorry,
3: not for Tag's sale. Coming, baby, not it's for sale. Coming.
1: Chris Rose up next. We identify that and MLB trade deadline with him. Rothman and Ice on the Fan,
0: the first and the best. Your home for all things Buckeyes, Jackets, and former linebackers making inappropriate innuendo. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and
1: Ice. All right, back at it. Big trade deadline deal for the Tribe and the Pods. Nine players, volume trade. The biggest piece is Sunshine going to the coast. Clevenger leaves. Potentially the best guy that was available on the trade market from a pitching standpoint. Pods go all in, compete with the Dodgers. They become, not if they were before this, instant title contenders. Indians got one foot in, one foot out, still sitting in first place. We examine it with our friend Chris Rose of the MLB Network. Chris, thank you so much for the time. How you been? Good, guys. How are you? Pretty good. We're, we're we've been digesting this trade for the last uh, two and a half hours, so I'll be very curious to get your opinion on it. As a uh, an Ohio guy, a guy that loves the Indians, and it just seemed to us that on paper we expected a little bit more out of this for the Indians. Um, it doesn't mean it can't turn into that, but maybe we're just victims of the present that we we know they're contending now in first place. Did we get enough wow back for Clevenger, or are you, are you feeling good about this?
7: No, so let me answer it a couple different ways. Did we get enough wow? No. But unfortunately, wow is is the world we have to live in, so that's why social media has gone nuts. And that's why everybody who has never seen half those kids play that the Indians got are you know saying, oh my God, the Indians didn't get enough. First of all, Clevenger, in my opinion, was going to get traded after the season regardless. Whether or not he made the decision he did in Chicago and then you know, sat in a a clubhouse full of guys and didn't tell them the truth, he was going to get traded in a few months anyway. That's my opinion. He was going to make probably right around $7 million next year. Still had a couple years left of club control. I, I just felt like it was in the tea leaves that they were going to get rid of him regardless. Are the Indians a better team right now than they were four hours ago? Uh, I think a lot of it depends on the guy who's going to take Clevenger's place in the rotation, and that's Zach Plisak. Zach Plisak looked great in his three starts. They are best friends. They lived together in quarantine in Florida, worked out together. Uh, They obviously were out in Chicago together. If Zach Plisak, who I think is really a good kid that may have been hanging around the wrong veteran, if he can get his crap together and pitch like he did at the beginning of the year, then the Indians will be a better team. Uh, if he does not, then they won't be.
2: Chris, I want to ask you about maybe another potential move that could happen with here, you know, the last about an hour and 20 minutes left before the trade deadline ends. Uh, we saw the name Starling Marte pop up coming out of Arizona and they just moved Robbie Ray, one of their pitchers as well. How much do you think the Cleveland Indians should try to go all in and maybe get Marte for a unit that's been struggling out there in the outfield this year?
7: Yeah, it's just, it makes sense. Baseball wise. It doesn't make sense financially. Um, He's due an option next year of about 12 and a half, and they, they could elect to not pick it up. They could say to Arizona, hey, we're not going to pick up his option, and, and so we're not going to give you as much of a prospect. Um, you know, unfortunately, it, it's the tough part about being an Indians fan is that, you know, they financially, they really watch their dollars and cents. And so it's not as simple as making a fantasy baseball trade with them. You know, they would still have to pay. I don't know exactly what Marte is owed. To, I can't do the math off the top of my head. But if it was, you know, if he was making 37% of $12 million this year, it was probably, what, four and a half. And now he's got a month left of that. I, you know, for a team that's watching its pennies, it probably isn't going to make sense. Baseball-wise, does it? Absolutely. But as we all know, this also tends to be a business, so I wouldn't expect it to happen.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, Chris. It's like it's not a, it's like a rebuild, reload on the fly kind of situation for the Indians. Yeah. I mean, you know they're in a, they're in a they're in a nice position where they're still contending this year, um, and and you move Clev like you said, and so you kind of. You, you get a little bit to help you along the way. They had the luxury with the starting rotation. You mentioned please sack. I wonder if, if it becomes imminent now that he gets past his situation and he helps them down the way. But where do you stand on the Indians today, prior to the Clev trade, on their chances of threatening for a title this year?
0: Well, it's
7: let's remember this year is is so different because there's eight teams per league that make it. And that first round is best two out of three. There's no home field advantage because it sounds like they might be playing in a bubble. And regardless, if you just have to go somewhere to travel and it's your own ballpark, but there's no fans, what's the home field advantage anyway? Um, So I, I will say this, that do you feel like after this trade that the Padres are significantly better than the Indians?
1: Well, significantly, I I know it's a huge piece for them to try to compete with the Dodgers. It just feels like Mm -hmm. um, that maybe for them, and that's why, you know, I think you can look at this as a little bit of a win win, but, you know, because both people, both teams probably address their their biggest need and where their mindset is. Um, I mean, he'd be the number one on most teams, collabs, so yeah. Let's not, well,
7: let's slow our roll a little bit. He's not going to be the number one on on a ton of competing teams. Okay, He's really, really good. He, some of his met, metrics measure up to some of the best in baseball over the last three years. So he has been very, very good. But what I'm saying is, is that are the Indians significantly worse than the Padres right now? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I mean, you, you can't compare the lineups because the Padres are, are way better. The Indians' rotation, way better. The Indians' bullpen, way better. So what's going to help you win a three-game series? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the Indians lost a three-game series 10 days ago to the Detroit Tigers. Does that mean the Tigers are better? It just meant that over those three games. So it's such a crapshoot is what I'm saying, that the Indians took a volume trade, and this is this is the way they roll. I mean, how many years have they been doing this? They traded for Shinshu Chu when nobody knew who he was. They traded for his Cabrera when nobody knew who he was. They traded for Corey Kluber. They traded for Mike Clevenger when nobody knew who he was. This is how they are great, at, for whatever reason, at identifying other teams' talent and then developing it when it gets here. So that's why I trust these guys, and that's why I'm not going to badmouth the trade.
2: Chris Rose from Major League MLB Network joining us here on the Fan, also co-host of Intentional Talk on MLB Network as well. Chris, I got to ask you about Cincinnati, man, because coming into this Mm -hmm. season, there was a lot of hype about them. They went out and spent a lot of money. You mentioned how Cleveland didn't do that, and you know, I know some Reds fans were happy with the coin that they dolled out to some of their guys too. Just where are you at with the Reds, man? Because I know here in here in Columbus, you know, a lot of Reds fans have been very disappointed from what they've seen. What's your take on the outside looking in?
7: They're one of the most disappointing teams in baseball. I really thought that because I looked at them this year and I thought between the rotation and that lineup and a solid bullpen, I was like, wow. I, You know, I definitely had them penciled in for the playoffs. I think I had them as the second-best team in that division. Um, and Castellanos obviously got off to a great start. He slowed a little bit lately. Um, Jesse Winker's been great. But other than that, there hasn't been a – Ton of productivity. I know Suarez seems to be heating up a little bit, which is good. But they're not, you know, they're not putting up five, six runs a game. Uh, Castillo has not been good. And this is with Sonny Gray and Bauer being excellent so far, that the rotation just hasn't, the rest of the rotation just hasn't done its job. And I don't know what happened to the bullpen this year. Really outside of Amir Garrett, um, they haven't pitched well. And I thought they were going to be okay in that area. I really did. Lorenzen has not pitched well. Uh, Iglesias the has been okay at times. It, you know, listen, they still have a month to get it going and all you have to do is get in the party. And if yeah. you have to start if you start Bauer and Greg in a three game series, hey, I'll take my chances. Yeah. Um, but they do it. I and I don't know what it is. I, I, I really thought this lineup with the addition of Mustakas and Castellanos and and the pieces they had there were really gonna we're going to be really really good it just hasn't been.
1: Yeah, it's a fluky year like you said. You don't even know. And and I agree with you. If you get into the tournament um and and that's why I I like the fact that they're not going to be big sellers here that they can certainly get in and in a fluky year maybe they could crash the party a little bit if they heat up at the right time. But you're right. They've been a they've been a crazy disappointment either the way they've not lived up you believe they still have like serious talent though. They're just underachieving big time. Yeah, I, I,
7: I do. I think they do have talent. Um, they definitely can win the first series. Now, it, it's, you know, it's who do you match up against? I mean, listen, if they got to go against the Dodgers, if they come in as the eighth seed, I don't care if you're throwing Bauer and Gray in those games. You're still going to be an underdog just because that Dodgers lineup can mash. And by the way, let's, I like what the Padres have done because they have been so irrelevant for so long, and I picked them at the beginning of the season, even before the expanded playoffs to make it, as I think, the fifth seed. There's still a substantial gap between the Dodgers and the Padres. There, there is. It's just, I mean, Paddock hasn't been great this year. So it's Clevenger, Paddock, Davies. That does not measure up to what the Dodgers have at the top, and the bullpen, which I thought was going to be the Padres' biggest strength this year, does not match up to the Dodgers' bullpen. You know, I know picking up Rosenthal will help a bit, but they need some other guys to to be better there. So it's just I, I hate I hate saying the who knows, but I think mm-hmm. that's what kind of makes it fun over the last month yeah. for all these baseball fans with this many teams in contention
1: yeah i agree i absolutely and it's been fun today and we appreciate you jumping on with your with your take on this uh we appreciate and value it thanks chris be well we'll talk to you soon
7: you guys take care thanks chris rose uh
1: great one from the mlb network as we discuss the trade so there you go tribe fans he's he's a little more high on it than we are today um let's hopefully it'll translate into something maddie when we come back yeah. NFL two minute drill. Yep. If you've already done your draft in fantasy, uh-huh. there's a running back that's not at camp right now that may be a problem for someone. That's next. Rothman and Ice on The Fan. Rise and shine, sleepyhead.
0: We're live and local in the morning. Morning juice with Beamer, Carpenter, and Schlegs. Weekday starting at 6. The Fan, Ohio Sports
3: Destination.
0: NFL Two-Minute
3: Drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit MarkLevyDDS.com today. All right, Matty, NFL
1: Two-Minute Drill. Alvin Chevy (laughs) Kamara is absent from camp. Yeah. And they believe it's contract-related. So he's had what they call an unexcused absence, kind of like you had a handful of these back in school unexcused we don't know where he is whereabouts unknown Uh, he's due a little over two mil in the final year of his rookie deal and we know about cmc and d henry setting the bar and a lot of people believe that he's gonna stay away until they extend him or tack on a lot of guaranteed cash So it's it's this is weird. Ten days before the opener, if you drafted, you're not feeling good. (laughs) Not good at all. This helps a guy like me sitting (laughs) fourteen. Of course, not not that he would drop to that. But
2: here's the problem that I would have if I I was Alvin Kamara, and here's why I am fully in his camp. There are not one, there are not two, but there are three running backs on the Saints roster alone. That are making more money than Alvin Kamara is this season. Those three names are, you know, the first one, Latavius Murray. He's making three point six. How about these other two names for you, Ar? Mm -hmm. Dwayne Washington and Ty (laughs) Montgomery. Ty Montgomery, both making more money than Alvin Mm Kamara this season. He absolutely should dig in on this. He deserves to be one of the highest paid running backs in the league. You talk about eighty-one running back, of course, eighty-one receptions all three years since he stepped on the uh, the scene here in the NFL. NFL. He's a stud. They got to get this figured out quickly. You, your squad and the Saints are now dealing with two of the best offensive players in the league wanting a new contract, but the fact that he is not there is big time. And I do Jeremy Fowler dropped it earlier. I love the new term of holding in with guys <laughs> being there, but still kind of quote holding out. I love that new term kind of
1: circulating around the league. But yeah, he needs his money, man. Well, he wasn't worried about it a couple weeks ago. You know about his future there, and now all of a sudden the ball's rolling on the contract extension. So maybe that maybe that's it. He's just staying away to kind of keep business where business is. But yeah, I you like problem. guys to put their best foot forward ten days before before the season starts. And so th- this is a problem, this, this, or it's a potential problem. He's had two great seasons in the NFL. I uh, came back a little bit last year, right? Through some injury, didn't get to yeah. eight hundred yards. Caught still caught eighty balls plus. Um, but he had he had lows for last year, and so it's the first time he had missed more than one game due to injury he still played in fourteen so he was playing through pain I think he's done everything you want him to do he had an ankle injury had a knee injury uh, so he's healthy he's ready to go he's a superstar in the league, especially on that team in that place with Ooh. that quarterback mm-hmm. so yeah. Uh, they got to get something done and I, yeah. I assume they will. They're, they oh. they have just got this window with Drew now. They can't afford this.
2: No, can't afford to do it and you just paid Michael Thomas the coin that you paid him mm. and look, we we've been talking about it all day. What window are you in? And the reality is they're in a winning window, but now that Tom Brady's pulled up to the scene in the NFC South it is going to make things a lot tougher. Wanted to share this AR because yep. I know we got fantasy drafts and stuff kind of taking off here. Uh, Miles Sanders is running back for the Philadelphia Eagles is struggling through a hamstring mm. injury. So he was spotted oh, yesterday doing, quote, shadow drills around the team offense. So, that's, look, fantasy-wise, that Eagles offense is scary, man. Like, I don't know if you want to stay away. They got really nothing you like right now. Everybody's banged up.
1: Uh, I don't like that. He's in that 12 to 14 range. <laughs> a lot of people really liked him. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, <sighs> the Eagles like to timeshare that darn backfield. And Yep. Uh, but then they moved on from, from Howard and – I thought Sanders. I really like him a lot, and I, I don't want to lean too much. I, I think he is a thousand yard back this year, and I think he's going to get two hundred and twenty five plus carries. Uh, I don't know how many. He might be touchdown dependent on some days. Ooh. You know when their offense yeah. is struggling, but I like the fact. Like I had Miles catching fifty balls this year. Like I have think oh, p- half PPR PPR. He's a good back. Yep. Now this may this may the Hammy. I'm, you said it's a Hammy. Yeah, I'm not being, that concerned. I, I hope he slides. Let's we'll hope. See. I hope he slides. See, the more when I the running see, backs available down there for me, the better.
2: When I see hamstring, I worry a little bit. I worry about eh, the hamstring, especially, especially, especially in a tricky all season where the bodies might not be geared it's up tricky. the way they usually are. But no, we're talking about two. Kind of stud running backs yep. in the fantasy world that people were excited about. Yep. One's holding out, one's dealing with the hammy, and the, the season's right around the Kona. So, yeah. Scary Manny, stuff. Man.
1: it's tricky to rock a rhyme that's right on time. It's that's tricky. a banger. That's an old school Sanders banger right Sanders there. Is my guy. All right. That's the NFL two minute drill. Boy, that three hours flew by. Good <laughs> Lord. That may have been the fastest three hours we've ever done uh, with all that trade talk. All right. Yeah. We'll keep it rolling here with Common man and T Bone coming up next. We are Rothman and Ice on the fan.
0: Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios.
3: Honda makes the cars, Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com.
0: WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan Sports Center. Good afternoon,
7: I'm Paul Keels, Ohio State defensive lineman Haskell Garrett has been released from the OSU Wexner Medical Center today. This after suffering a gunshot wound over the weekend, Garrett is expected to recover from his injuries. The Cleveland Indians today dealt pitcher Mike Clevenger to San Diego along with outfielder Greg Allen and a player to be named later in a massive deal among the players the Indians get pitcher Carl Quantrill, outfielder Josh Naylor, and catcher Austin Hedges on the field. Cleveland at Kansas City tonight, Shane Bieber pitching for the Indians against the Royals Brad Keller, Cincinnati Reds entertain St. Louis. Dakota Hudson pitching for the Cardinals against the Reds' Anthony DiSclefani. Former Georgetown basketball coach John Thompson passed away earlier today at age 78. He coached the Hoyas to three Final Fours in the 84 National Championship. This update brought to you by the Basement Doctor, Central Ohio's most trusted name for your home since 1987. Visit BasementDoctor.com Breaking sports news when it happens on the fan. Ohio sports destiny.